one. That's my way. Remember for calling Judgment Day. Can't let the countdown begin. Nine, it's Super Bowl time. Eight, can't make no mistakes. Seven, control the momentum. Six, keep moving the sticks. Five, only two teams alive. Four, to the final score. Three, what will the outcome be? Two, for the old and the new. One and done. Super Bowl of the Millennium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Live back in action. Getting ready for Super Bowl 55. Well, only one team will survive. The Chiefs. Look to repeat, but will Brady allow a defeat? Welcome one and all to the Super Bowl edition of the Third and Free Podcast brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the Sports Column. My name is Jason Fearon at Sports Profit on Twitter. Third and Free means it can't just be me. My football family is with me. The real deal. Damian Adams and Tricky Nikki G with me together. As always, I'm so pumped for the show. Let's get it going. Can't wait for the game, guys, tonight. Nikki, what's happening, girl? How you doing? I am good. That was some rap that you just hit us with. I mean, you're getting better and better every week. But uh, I'm under 15 inches of snow here, so I'm sure D will um, torment me with his beautiful 80, 100-degree weather in Arizona there. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I know you guys got hit hard up there. You know, my a lot of family and my sisters up there and everything, my best buddies. And yeah, I keep telling them move here. That's the reason Dean move to Florida, even though it's actually on the cool side here Dean, Florida. It's like it was 42 degrees last night, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we call the ambulance for the state of Florida. It was like yeah, 18 right. here. <laughs> the first time heaters went on, I heard them around the whole freaking uh, state over here, D. But how's the weather there, man? And how you doing? Doing good, man. We haven't had the usual Arizona weather. It's been a lot of rainy, windy here. I'm gloomy. You know, we're getting our five days of bad weather a year that we get here. Um, so that's what we've been dealing with the last few days. We need the rain, though. Arizona, you know, we go a long time without rain, so we definitely need it. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't been the, the classic weather we get this time of the year. Yeah, Arizona is kind of synonymous with the desert area, so you think very arid and dry and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, get some rain over there, man. I mean, even Florida, I feel like we're in a drought. I haven't seen rain in a long time over here. But that's a whole other story altogether. We're not freaking meteorologists. We're football analysts, and that's what we're going to do right now. But before we get into neighborhood news and everything Super Bowl, Mount Play Play is going to be awesome today. we got to do our shout-outs, number one, first and foremost. I can't wait to give mine, but ladies first as always. And Nikki, what's your shout-out today? 
My shout out um, is in honor of, in case you guys didn't know, today is National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And I yeah. actually just had a very cool Zoom call um, with one of the organizations I am a committee member of. And we got some ex-female athletes on the call and we had a bunch of kids join. So it was really, really awesome. So if anyone's interested for next year, you can find me on Twitter at Nikki Nick 9384. Um, that being said, you guys should ch check out uh, the Fantasy Unicorn. She's the co-host of Fantasy Fringe. You can find her on Twitter at unicorn underscore fringe. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Absolutely awesome shot out right there. No doubt. D, you ready for yours? Yes. So I am sticking with that same theme of giving shout out to all the women doing great things in sports, you know, not just today, but every day. And I want to give my shout out to at underscore pins and words underscore. Uh, that's Mania Speaks. She is a great writer for the WNBA. She covers uh, the Washington Mystics and also does some NBA work as well. Great writer. So if you want to look and get some great articles and just follow somebody great on Twitter. That's underscore pins and speaks underscore. No, no doubt. Another great one there. And I'm with you guys on National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Uh, be great to raise awareness, actually, in the words of a buddy of ours, a uh, gridiron guru over there. And um, yeah, obviously, look, guys, I'm totally that we were all on the same page on that. So that would have been my shout out. But I also have another shout out. And I want to give it to Richmond Webb, who is a former football player for the Miami Dolphins down here, left tackle, one of the best ever. And I'll get into that in a second, but very quickly, this is a man who protected Dan Marino's blind side, ninth overall pick in the 1990 NFL draft. He's in the Dolphins on a roll. He should be a Hall of Famer. He's not, and it baffles my mind. I've had him on the show. I've been very lucky. He's a great guy. Seven Pro Bowls, two All-Pro teams. Two All-Pro teams. That means that you're basically the best of your position. Two-time second All-Pro and a member of the All-1990s decade team. So I'm wondering how this guy isn't in the Hall of Fame, someone who had to block Bruce Smith twice a year, Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green, Reggie White, may they both rest in peace. That's a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame as far as the left tackle is concerned. And it kind of boggles my mind that he isn't. That's another subject that we can get into another time, guys. But you guys know Richmond Webb from the Dolphins back in the early 90s. And he was, when you talked about left tackles, he was one of the big guys that you talked about. So... I needed to give him a shout out because he really deserves it. And the NFL's got to get their freaking Hall of Fame to get the stuff straight. So as we move on, those are our shout outs of the day. Getting into neighborhood news, which is going to be rather short because we're ready to get into the meat of everything over here, guys. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, first time again, as you guys know or have heard or if you've been living under a rock, first time at a team playing at their home stadium in the Super Bowl. That would be, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I found a little irony in it being Super Bowl LV, which keeps reminding me now of Las Vegas. And the last time that the Raiders played in the Super Bowl was against the Buccaneers. So it'd be kind of cool if like LV played Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, but that's a whole nother thing. How about this one, guys? Obviously the big thing that everybody's talking about that we didn't get a chance to yet. And I can't wait to hear your opinions. Nikki, I'm gonna go to you first. The Stafford for Goff trade, Rams and Lions, who wins the trade? Why? Give me your overall synopsis. 
Well, I think the Rams win for sure, right? I said, I told you guys, they have buyer's remorse. I said that Jared Goff was the definition of buyer's remorse like back in June. And <laughs> I think that that obviously held true. No, I think the Rams are getting quite the upgrade. Jay, you said you thought he would go um, maybe possibly to the Saints if they can make it happen. So I think they're getting quite the upgrade. They have the defense. Um, I would say that they are the winners in this trade. Okay. All right. So you're going with the Rams as the winners and you've explained why. And, and obviously there's a lot of something on a, on a team, but uh, Damian, what do you think now with Matt Stafford going to the Rams, obviously turning 33 next week, I believe it is where Jared Goff is still 25 years old and who you think is better, whatever, you know, tell me about the trade, man. What are your thoughts? Cause it was definitely one I didn't see coming. We all knew that both of them were going to be on different teams or we're pretty sure at the very least, but I didn't see this trade coming. Yeah, I think that both teams won. When you look at it, you know, Stafford no longer wanted to be in Detroit. Detroit wanted to, you know, let their bird fly and be free. And uh, they were able to do that and get back two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a young quarterback who they can, you know, have a trial run with and see if he can be the guy of the future for them. If not, they can use one on first-round picks to try to move up next year, or they can use one of those picks to draft a QB. Um, they have a lot of options there from that standpoint. Now for the Rams, if I'm a, a fan of the Rams, I'm super excited about this trade because it shows the organization believes we're right there when it comes to a Super Bowl and we just need to upgrade this position. Now, does this trade make them an automatic Super Bowl favorite? No, because they still don't have the best QB in their division. Right. When you look at Russell Wilson being there and Stafford has been good, but he hasn't been great. Right. So this move reminded me a lot of Minnesota a few years back. So Minnesota a few years back made it to the NFC championship game with Case Keenum at quarterback. We all remember how they got there. Minnesota miracle over the Saints <laughs> got to the NFC championship game and said, we need to upgrade at QB. We do that. Make it to the Super Bowl. They upgraded to Kirk Cousins, paid him a lot of money, $84 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Never got back to the NFC Championship game. Nope. I can see something very similar happen here with Stafford. You mentioned he's about to turn 33. No, you know, it's not saying that he's done by any point, but no. about to turn 33. And looking over his stats, he hasn't had years where you're like, man, he just is awesome. He's had 2011 through 5,000 yards. You're like, okay. That's, you know, awesome year. He also was starting to a guy named Megatron back then. Yeah. Since then, he hasn't had any years where you look at it and say, man, we just got to get this guy off Detroit. He's balling out of control. It's not like Deshaun Watson stats this year on Houston, where clearly the quarterback is doing all he can and the team is holding him back. Stafford, we know that he hasn't had the best teams around him, the best structure. But has he been good enough to uplift his team and I, don't, I haven't seen that. So I'm not saying that I don't think this is a we're going to Super Bowl automatic trade, but I do think it's a win-win for both sides because they got what they wanted from the trade. Well, I think what you said is the problem. It's not an automatic Super Bowl move. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But that's the issue here. The reason why they got Matt Stafford is so they can go to the Super Bowl and win it, not even just go to the Super Bowl and lose it or make it to the NFC Championship and upgrade. They won a playoff game last year. 
So they need to improve a lot. And you still got Green Bay around. Like you said, you still got Seattle. Who knows what will happen with New Orleans, Tampa Bay's in the Super Bowl this year. So let me try to break it down from my perspective, guys. I think that the, the Rams, I mean, really went obviously all in. They gave up two future first-round draft picks, which will probably be late-round draft picks, but you can still get great guys that picks 26, 27, 28, whatever it may be, all right? So I think the Lions, if I had to pick a winner, Is that Jason? Hey, Nikki, you still there? I am here. All right. All right. Well, you guys put that very nicely. I just don't have a lot of faith in Jared Goff. I really don't. No. No, I don't have any faith in Jared Goff either. Um, So for me, I just feel like Detroit has a chance to check them out. And they're not trying to win right now anyway. They gave... You know, my man, kneecap eating Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him a six-year deal. So they're saying, we're here for the long term. We want you to rebuild us in a way. Um, so we see what they're doing in Detroit. And we know that the reason they even took Jared Goff is so they can get the extra first-round pick. So I think both sides won as far as what they got for the trade. But the Rams won't win a Super Bowl. Are you back with us, Jason? Yeah, I'm back. I'm not sure where I got cut off. I'm sorry. So thanks for filling in. Um, I, I'm, I don't know why I got cut out. So I'm not sure exactly where I got cut out. Us either. Yeah. So why don't you just <laughs> All right, so basically, bring it back? Long story short, everything is on the Rams right now. You know, they went all in with this. I hope you guys can hear me now. Just say something if you can. But the Rams went all in and they got Stafford for two years, maybe more. So they have to win a Super Bowl. Otherwise, this is a complete bust because they gave away a big part of their future. Uh, again, I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff. I know they went to a Super Bowl. They scored three points. And you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Todd Gurley and you mentioned Aaron Donald before. And you mentioned Sean McVay before you get to a guy like Jared Goff. So I'm not saying he's going to do well with the Lions, but now they're under a new regime and Again, you get two draft picks that could do well in the late rounds and so on and so forth. So that's why I believe that the, that the Lions actually got the better trade. And now the Rams have to win the Super Bowl. Otherwise, this trade means nothing. So that's my point in this one, guys. Nikki, do you see where I'm coming from? I do. I see where you guys are coming from. You know what I love best about this whole entire trade, though? The fact that Matt Stafford was like, nah, anywhere but New England. So he just like <laughs> hates Matt Patricia as much as D hates that pencil, I think. <laughs> Obviously, what I've been saying about Matt Patricia has been true this whole time. Yes. <laughs> for Matthew Stafford, for him to say anywhere but New England, right? That's, that's all you got to say. That's all you need to know yeah. about my man Patricia there and his pencil <laughs> with his laminated paper he can't write on. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, and this trade makes you think. Two first-round draft picks and a starting quarterback. What's Deshaun Watson going to get? Or the Houston Oilers? Uh, Houston Oilers. Listen to me. Houston Oilers. Brain is in the way back machine right now. I'm thinking of Warren Moon in the good old days. Oh my God. Uh, Houston Texans. Excuse me. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, more news to come with the QBs, obviously. Last thing I wanted to mention in neighborhood news. Remember we were talking about halftime shows last week, and we did it with Mount Player Player. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see Jamie Foxx come out and impersonate Ray Charles. 
and just kill it on the piano, man, because he is a freaking rock star in himself. I think that would be awesome, have an orchestra around, maybe bring a couple of other people out. I think that would be really cool. So that's one of them. Remember when you put me on the spot last week, D, so I actually yeah. thought of a good one, or at least what I think is a good one. No, that's a really good one. I like that idea. Jamie Foxx, he can do, Ray Charles even can do his own stuff as yeah. well. And it makes you think about maybe alternative stuff instead of music. Maybe you have comedians. Maybe you have a comedian come out and do a 15 to 20 minute set. Um, that would be pretty dope. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, I like that. Why are you Lee Commissioner? Do you got all the answers? <laughs> what the hell? We know that y'all listening to the show. I mean, straight up. So, I mean, that for real, if you take that one, then that's it. We're coming after you. I mean, that's, <laughs> you that's, probably can't do a comedian because everybody's offended by things. Of course, right. I know. That's true. <laughs> like, that's true. I know. You can't put Jeff Dunham up there and his little, uh, you know, puppets and everything like that. That's not going to work out too well. They're very filthy mouth, potty mouth little people that they are. Anyway, let's get into some football talk over here. The significance of Super Bowl 55, guys. There's so many things that are going into it. You know, obviously the Chiefs are going for a repeat. And Tom Brady is where I want to start, where I give up. I'm completely amazed and I just give up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still to my eye and John Elway still to my eye are better than Tom Brady. But you, there's nothing left to say. He's going to his 10th Super Bowl. He spent 20 years on one team and immediately he goes there and they're going to the Super Bowl and they had to win three games all on the road. Okay. So uh, Nick, yeah, I know you know all about that. So this guy at 43 and it's actually all about him. The defense played really well. He has players around him. No question about it, even though a really wasn't around for a while and, and Godwin wasn't around for a little bit. They still made it work with even guys like Scotty Miller, Tom Brady, Damian, I am done. I'm just completely and totally done. He is the best. Even if he loses this one, I am blown away with his legacy. Ten Super Bowls could have seven Super Bowl wins. Talk to me. No, it's definitely impressive what he's been able to do. Impressive? That's all you got? Impressive. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, bro. Go ahead. See, Jay is fired up today. I know, again, <laughs> woo! <laughs> but no, it's definitely very impressive what he's been able to th do throughout his career. And with Tom Brady, for me, I always hesitate to talk about him because people think I'm crazy. Uh, we're going to have our unpopular opinion segment later. But one of my unpopular opinions is that he's not the GOAT, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say that, people automatically go to, well, he has six Super Bowls. Now he's going to 10, has a chance for seven. He has all these AFC championship appearances. Now AFC and NFC um, championship appearances. Yes, all those are great team accomplishments that he was a big part of, right? But when it comes to individual quarterback play, there are quarterbacks I've seen do it better. Like you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers. Some people say John Elway. For me, Patrick Mahomes has already yeah. shown that yeah. he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady's ever been. So for me, he's the most accomplished quarterback of all time. And his longevity is crazy. The fact that he's still able to do it at this level, at this age, is what is the best argument for him being a GOAT, right? Which people don't bring up enough when they try to make him a GOAT. Like, that's the best argument. The fact that he's still good at this age is his best argument for being the greatest of all time. Not all the team accomplishments that he has, right? Or you can go back to what he did when he had Randy Moss and say, look at what he did when he had a dynamic receiver, right? 
but he's benefited the most from his structure around him. Like when people talk about Stafford, they talk about how he has not had a good structure around him. When you talk about Matt Patricia being a horrible coach, or you talk about the bad defenses that the Lions have had. And they say you can't blame Stafford for not having any playoff wins because of that. Well, you can't have it both ways. If Matthew Stafford has been the opposite end of the spectrum, not benefiting from his lack of a structure, Tom Brady, you have to talk about how he's benefited from having the best structure around him for most of his career. So I think it goes both ways there. So it's very impressive. What he's doing at this age, I think, is the most impressive thing about his resume, honestly. Hey, man, I hear everything you're saying. And, you know, opinions are that that's why we're here. We don't have to agree on everything all the time. And you make a ton of good points. And I've even talked about back in the day, Brady, with the first three Super Bowls, it was mostly defense, even though, you know, the one against Carolina, the great fourth quarter that they had going back and forth. Uh, It's just that uh, I'm with you again. We we talked about, you know, Rogers, Elway, Patrick Mahomes, even Brett Favre looked better at Joe Montana, whatever you want to call it. But the guy just continues to get it done. And the, Danny Amendola, you know, who, if you guys heard, had recently said, you know, the Patriot way is Tom Brady. No, of course, it's also Bill Belichick and that whole staff and Josh McDaniels and everything, so on and so forth, and the great defenses. So I totally agree with you with that. But the fact that at 40 fucking three, he jumped over to a whole nother team without an offseason with guys injured in and out, bringing in new players all over the place to see if they fit in is still mind blowing. Uh, Nikki, I got to get your thoughts on this. Oh man, you guys make really, really good points. It's tough. Um, but yeah, to do this at his age is probably the biggest sticking point for me because I feel like my body hurts every day, even though I work out every day and I'm only 36. So I don't know how this guy just keeps going. I wonder if it really is the TV 12 diet, which have you guys ever like really looked into that? I have not actually looked into it. I've just heard about the avocado ice cream, which already was a turnoff for me. So I was like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys, I so I fell down the rabbit hole of the TV 12, like method and diet. It is like his treat, like in the off season, he gives himself a beer or like he'll have some like soybean, whatever, edamame or something as a treat. Like it is crazy. So for me, the discipline, the grind, the drive every single day, it, like year in and year out, not a lot of people can do that. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is, is that he loves football so much that even if they do win the Super Bowl this upcoming Sunday, I feel like he's still going to be coming back. That's just a competitor, competitor in Damien. You know, we can agree on that, that he's obviously a huge competitor. You know all about Drew Brees being a tremendous competitor. I think about Steve Young. You know, uh, who comes to your, your mind, Nikki, as a Giant fan? Oh, great competitor. Iron Man himself. <laughs> we knew that where this was going. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> but I was going to ask you guys that. If Tom Brady wins, do you think he retires? No, I think he still wants to keep going. He's already talked about now. At first it was he wants to play till he's 45. Well, he's feeling so good now. We've heard certain quotes that he says, I can see myself playing past 45. Oh, right? <laughs> so, and the thing is, he looks good enough to do it. That's what's like I said, that's what his best claim to being a GOAT is for me is his longevity and playing this well at this age. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen anybody play this well at this age. We've seen quarterbacks go into their 40s. We weren't really good. Vinny Testaverde played into his 40s, but he wasn't really good, right? Um, Drew Brees played into his 40s, but we've seen a decline over these last two years. 
So he's definitely the best at this age by far. And if he can continue going, keep doing it. You know, um, if it's something for him that, you know, I don't know what he would do if he doesn't have football. Think about, you just talked about the level of discipline that it takes to have his diet, right? Yeah. Like I just violated his diet like two minutes ago before the show started. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I, I wouldn't have that much discipline. Like him, LeBron James, their type of discipline they have to be this good at their ages, the money they put into their bodies is definitely something to be marveled at and to be appreciated. So I do appreciate it. And I have Tom Brady in my top five all time. He is great, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's the best we've seen at the position. He's a, he's a great quarterback who benefited from playing with the greatest organization throughout most of his career. And, uh, and in, in very large part, I do agree with that. There's no freaking doubt about it. I'm with you. But let's talk about the other quarterback on the other side. We talked about the old guy. Let's talk about the young guy who's breaking records all over the place and seems that, you know, knock on wood, let him stay healthy forever because he's unbelievable and he's a great kid. Patrick Mahomes, MVP in his second consecutive Super Bowl now, three straight AFC championships. It could have been three straight Super Bowls if the refs got their stuff together. And that's another story. But what he's doing, and we've talked about him, when you, the eye test, he's by far better than Brady, the eye test. Brady just happens to play this great pocket quarterback and run the team, whatever it is. But Mahomes goes way outside the box, Nikki, and that's what's so incredibly impressive about him. And he's got his hands full that we'll get into with the offensive line banged up. But I saw him avoid pass rush after pass rush after pass rush in last year's Super Bowl against the 49ers. Nick Bosa was all over him, and somehow Mahomes always gets away. The guy is just magical, Nikki. And I, I – Besides Aaron Rodgers, I've never seen anything really like it. I know. Like, I am so excited to watch him every time he plays. And you know what? I, I've heard, like, people say, oh, I hate this kid. Like, why? I don't understand. I've heard that, like, more often than I thought I would. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, a Jersey thing because the people who have said it are <laughs> they live up here. So I don't know. But um it's probably jealousy. It's probably a bunch of Jets fans who are stuck with like <laughs> Sam Darnold in the bottom of the barrel. But no, I am so excited for this kid. I'm excited for this franchise because I think the combination of Mahomes, Andy Reid, this team, which I know is obviously not going to stay intact year after year after year, but I think they really do have something going here. And I'm excited for them to see what they can do. <laughs> my God, am I excited to see what they can do? I mean, look, look, with him at quarterback, and as long as he has some sort of weapons, that offense is always going to be great. And the defense, of course, is something that they'll always have to keep working on, Damian. But we've never seen a guy, except maybe Dan Marino, come out to shoot like this. Yeah, no, that's the only one who's come out of the gates with these type of numbers. And he didn't have the success team-wise, that Patrick Mahomes has had. Um, and with Mahomes, you don't see anything slowing down his stats, right? With Marino, he came out and had those great seasons and didn't, stats-wise, didn't get back to that in his, you know, what was supposed to be his prime years. He didn't get back to those, you know, 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns. He didn't get back to that. Mahomes, I see no reason why he won't be breaking his own records, you know, in years to come. And there's going to be a conversation next week if they win. You can mark it here. You heard it here first. You're going to hear it on ESPN. You're going to hear it on Fox. 
is it too early to call him the GOAT? If they win this game and he performs well, that's going to be the conversation next week. Mm. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he wins this game, he goes up there and balls out. Is he already in the GOAT conversation? Are you, do you already put him top five already? Because talent-wise, we know he's there. Talent-wise, him, Aaron Rodgers, Elway, you know, Marino from a throwing standpoint, we know he's already in that conversation. But does he have enough accomplishments at 25 years old already to put in that conversation? And the fact that we've been thinking about putting him in that conversation if he wins this game just lets you know how talented he is and what he's doing. And Kansas City could be great for a long time, man, because a lot of these players they have under contract, uh, the defense, they can continue to adjust and make them better. So uh, we could have a dynasty on our hands here. Uh, yeah, it's very possible. And, you know, the, we think of dynasties like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Patriots, obviously. But, yeah, this could be the brand new one. There's no doubt about it. Wow. Holy crud. All right. You know what? We're going to get more into the Super Bowl, obviously, but let's talk about our favorite Super Bowls, all right? So with time permitting, maybe we'll get through half from this time, but let's at least start it out because it's Super Bowl freaking mania over here. So let's get this bad boy going. The way we started out and the way we're doing it, guys, we each have our top four Super Bowls of all time that we have witnessed, and it could be on tape, what you know, whatever it may be, but I, le- I went with the ones that I've actually seen and significance to me and significance can mean anything to any of us so we're going to take it the way we take it and you know we want to hear from you guys out there on twitter which ones you like and what's your top one so d how about we start out with you bro what do you got at number four at number four i had to go back to the 90s early 2000s super bowl 34 between the rams and the titans the then st louis rams defeat the tennessee titans that was 23 to 16. Uh, Kurt Warner in that game passed for a then record 414 yards in that game. His final pass was a 73 yarder to Isaac Bruce that broke a 16 16 tie, right? Because the Steve McNair led Titans had to claw their ways back into the game after being down 16 points to the Rams. And Steve McNair led this great drive. It looked like they were going to go and tie this game up, send to overtime. And he hit Kevin Dyson on a slant route. Kevin Dyson looked like he's going to go in the end zone. And then he's tackled by linebacker Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. <laughs> and he goes out there <laughs> and tackles him at the one-yard line. I still remember to this day seeing Dyson stretch out, trying to fool the ref like he got there. And we all saw that you were short. Uh, great ending to a great game. So that's my number four, Rams-Titans, Super Bowl 34. Oh, man, I'll never forget it. I was on the edge of my seat during that game. It was absolutely unbelievable. It, it really was. It was, oh, man, yeah. I mean, one yard to go. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, to hopefully tie the game and go into overtime, which Super Bowls don't do until Atlanta and uh, New England came along. But, yeah, I love that one, Nikki. What do you think about that? No, I definitely love that one. I remember it. I remember watching it with my dad. We were just screaming at the TV. And No, I remember that. It's a great pick. Ah, no doubt. Definitely a great pick. Well, let's hear your great pick for number four. Okay. So I'm sure my list will not be shocking at one and two. So maybe I can surprise you at three and four, but I didn't go back too too far. Uh, so if I have my Roman numerals, right. Forgive me if I don't, <clears throat> um, I believe it's super bowl 43, right. Steelers Cardinals. Um, 
So I feel like this game gave us everything. James Harrison's 100-yard interception return at the end of the first half, a ferocious fourth-quarter comeback by Larry Fitzgerald, Big Ben laser shot to Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone for the win, who, by the way, absolutely played every bit of the MVP that he was. And we got Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band for the halftime show. We got it all. <laughs> I love it. That's excellent. Very, very well done. Well done. Oh, yeah. You see, this is what I'm saying. We can go all over the place with this stuff right here. It could be anything. All right. So, well, let me give mine number four. And I will tell you, Nikki, that I had a four and a five. And the Steelers Cardinals was one of them. But if we can go back to 1997, the Packers against the Broncos. John Elway had never gotten a Super Bowl before. Facing the Packers, Brett Favre, baddest team in the league, had just won the Super Bowl against the Patriots the year before. This dude is helicoptering in, trying to get into the end zone. John Elway doing everything he can. He finally gets the team around him with Terrell Davis, obviously. I think, believe he led the league in rushing that year, or it was the year after. Uh, 2,000 yards. I mean, come on. And obviously an excellent defense. But Packers had the same thing. They were the bad boys of the NFC at that point. But John Elway came along in his old age, had help from Rod Smith and even Ed McCaffrey, and it was just so well done. But the game was great. And the second-to-last play, the Packers are going in. Now, the Broncos won 31-24, so the the Packers are trying to tie the game up. And the second-to-last play, there was a tremendous collision that involved uh, Steve Atwater and a couple other Packers. I can't remember off the top of my head. That slowed the game down for about eight minutes because it was that bad. The very next play, Favre on fourth down, it gets knocked down by one of the linebackers and the Broncos, all they got to do is kneel it. And Elway, this one's for John. It was not just an excellent game, but also meaningful to one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game to finally be able to hoist up the Lombardi Trophy. That's a very good pick right there. Classic game. Never forget it. Like I said, John Elway, uh, even at his advanced age, making plays, you know, outside the pocket during that one, uh, very good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was an un- unbelievable game, really. And John Elway a lot doesn't get the respect that he deserves. But let's get to our number threes. Then we'll probably get to a quick commercial break and come back with the twos and the ones. So, D, what you got for three? So, for number three, I had Nikki's number four, Super Bowl. That was 43 between the Steelers and the Cardinals. She mentioned everything. James Harrison's 100-yard interception return classic play never forget him running and you figure like oh somebody's gonna catch this big guy but he's not your normal he's not your normal big guy (laughs) (laughs) even with them pulling on him he got into the end zone you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald Uh, also the play to Antonio Holmes I still think is the greatest throw in Super Bowl history Mm, debatable (laughs) (laughs) I know where you're going with that but I feel like this I don't want to interrupt you, but I mean, there's no other place where it could be put or caught. And how Holmes got his feet in is just another mind-boggling play. Yes, yes. Great throw and catch there. Um, But there are some that could be in that conversation. I'm pretty sure we'll get to those after the commercial break. Um, But absolutely great game, man. And one that, like I say, he was on the edge of your seat the whole time, even though it started off a little slow. But once the... James Harrison interception return happened. It seemed like the game just took off. Yep. And that was a really good one. 
Yep, and Fitz hurling down the middle. It's like, oh my God, Arizona's going to freaking win. It's like, holy, but nope, that's that unbelievable drive. Wow. All right, let's uh, try to get through our threes. Nikki, three. Oh, my three. Super Bowl 49, Patriots, Seahawks. So I don't know if this is going to be the greatest of all time, but I put it in here just because of the insane Malcolm Butler play. Um, I don't know if that might just be the best defensive play in Super Bowl history. Um, and then you have to figure like, you know, you didn't give it to beast mode, goal to goal. Like, I don't understand that call. None of us do. But my favorite part was the post game show. And they were just the interview and they were like, well, yeah, we practiced this. Like Bill Belichick made us practice this. Like, like it was just every other day for them. Um, so I think that speaks to Bill Belichick's greatness and his discipline and his grind. But that play alone just it had to be on my list for that reason. Hey, look, uh, I mean, look, I thought the game was great, Damien. What, uh, that Super Bowl uh, going back, what, 2014? I mean, you had the best in the NFC and the best in the AFC. What more could you ask for? Yeah, no, it was two great teams going at it. Uh, it will always be remembered as the, you know, Marshawn Lynch should have got the ball game. But yeah. is something that that play by Malcolm Butler, not, not too many teams are prepared for that. So even though you can say you should have gave the ball to Lynch, you got to give all the credit in the world to the Patriots for being prepared for that play. One billion percent. That's what film study is all about. They saw they saw the guys lining up in twins before we get to commercial. And Malcolm Butler knew that it was going to the inside slant route and he jumped it. That's film study. That was a rookie who did that. Let's not forget. And he made his name right there. That was just an unbelievable play. So, Nikki, I think that's a fantastic pick. We're going to come back with more picks. I got to do my number three. And of course, we're going to get to the twos and the ones. We got a lot more for you guys. This is the third and three podcast. We appreciate having you guys over here. We're loving doing this. We got Super Bowl talk coming up. Knowledge with Nikki, sports trivia, so much stuff to go, even unpopular opinions. So one minute, 60 seconds, third and three, coming back. <laughs> I really should just let the whole thing go, man. Oh, my God. Michael Jackson, certainly my favorite. If I didn't have that little Method Man thing going on, then I definitely would have picked an MJ song. There's no doubt. I freaking love Billy Jean. And that particular video that I was playing for the song was the first time he did the moonwalk. And you can look at the audience's face and their mouths are dropped on the floor because they can't believe that this guy is actually walking backwards gracefully. Unfucking believable. Just the king. The king. King. I don't care. Prince. <laughs>
I used to think maybe that'll be an unpopular opinion. All right, so we're talking top four Super Bowls that we have seen. And I'm going to go into number three. And Nikki, I know it's got to be on your list, but I have to say it anyway and put my two cents in. It's Super Bowl, what I can't do these freaking number 42, I think it was, Giants, Patriots, 17 14. Patriots, obviously, going for the ultimate season of all time. They're 18 and 0 at this point, which is obviously incredible. Perfect season, beating up everybody. Bill Belichick would not stop. And who was it, uh, JPP, that said we're going to hold them to, you know, 14 points or whatever it was. And I think the final score was either 2017 or 1714, I think, 1714. Unbelievable job by the front line of the Giants. And, I mean, obviously there was luck on their side. You know, you had the Tyree cap, but whatever. Listen, the bottom line is this team was going for the ultimate perfection, even surpassing the Miami Dolphins. And they were a scoring machine. And for the fact that the Giants were able to shut them down, literally shut them down, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter where uh, Tom Brady had hit Moss to go ahead, you know, for that lead because the Giants are playing so well on D. But, you know, Eli Manning had a Super Bowl moment. Boom, bang, boom. Plaxico Burris in the end zone. Done. Perfect season out. That has to be in there, even if you're not a Giant fan, Damian. Yeah, no. The only reason I didn't have mine, you know, with those giant games in there is because I know Nikki was going to exactly. have those games in there. So that's why I was like, let me just go ahead and leave that to her, leave that to the expert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely an awesome game. And I was, that was my first like hot take, if you will. I remember being in high school and telling everybody, hey, the Giants are going to beat the Patriots. And everybody thought I was crazy picking the Giants. I was like, they only lost them by three points in the regular season. They've seen them already. That defense has been playing great during the playoffs. They're going to adjust. Now, of course, I didn't predict, you know, Eli Manning escaping a sack and throwing a ball up in the air. It's David Tyree to pin it to his head. But outside of that, I was pretty spot on. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not going to toot my own horn either, but I agree. Um, I mean, I was surrounded by a bunch of Giants fans that didn't influence my attitude, but I thought just like you, I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be a much lower scoring game and the Giants are going to win this one. I made a couple of bucks on that one, Nikki. Good. I'm glad. It's my number one, so I'll save it. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll let you get more in depth into that, no doubt. So that was my number three. So let's hit up our number two. All right, D, it's your shot. Number two, baby. What you got? All right. So my number two comes from strictly a petty place. Right. My number two <laughs> is Super Bowl 51, L-I. That's 51, right? Uh, yep. For, and that's when the Patriots made the epic comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. We all know they were down 28 to 3. It looked like it was just going to be a blowout. I remember being at the worst Super Bowl party I've ever been to. Right. <laughs> so my, one of my guys I was in the Navy with says that, hey, you know, if you ain't got nowhere to go during the Super Bowl, come over here. And before that, I just planned watching it by myself. I was like, I'm gonna watch it by myself, chill. I think I had just started doing the podcast. So I wanted to watch and take notes and everything. And he's like, you know, come over. You can still, you know, it's gonna be chill. You can still concentrate, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I say, I'll bring pizza, right? <laughs> I'm the only one that brought anything. Oh. So, <laughs> so after everybody eats, gets finished eating my pizza, me and my girl sitting here watching this blowout, like, man, we should leave. As soon as we thought, <laughs> as soon as we started thinking that, Patriots started this epic comeback, mm-hmm. and we can see the Falcons just folding at the like lawn chairs out there, and I was just enjoying every moment of this epic choke job. They did not 
checked the catfish for bones. They just ate into it, swallowed <laughs> the bones, and choked on the catfish. It was epic. As a Saints fan, I loved every minute of it. I still love doing the 28 to 3 jokes whenever I can. It's just from a petty place that it comes from. Loves watching it. Like I said, not a Patriots fan at all. But that day, I was a Patriots fan. Because you can't allow teams like the Falcons to get Super Bowl wins. Because then it can taint the Super Bowl, right? So for me, I had to <laughs> I had to really enjoy that. And you know, whenever the Falcons fell, I got to get this in. <laughs> so that's my number two, just strictly off pettiness. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that's great. I mean, obviously, look, it's 28 to three and, you know, you broke it down beautifully, so I don't need to go into it. But I remember I was at a Super Bowl party as well, and it was one of the worst I was at because nobody was watching after halftime. Everybody was drinking. They're outside, whatever. Nobody's watching the TV except for like me and three other people, including my girl, who was somehow into it. I'm like, she never watches football, but whatever. After the first touchdown that the Patriots got, I'm like, oh, shit. And then they got another one. I'm like, yo, that's it. They're going to win. This game is absolutely over because you just saw it. Atlanta, like you said, was folding. And New England is New England, Nikki. So I think that's a great pick right there. Some people don't say that comebacks are awesome or, you know, lopsided wins are awesome. But you know what? It's all relative. And I thought that one definitely belonged up there. I debated putting it on my list, Nick. Comebacks are awesome and they're awesome to watch, but I need to know who, who are these friends houses you guys are going to? They got no food, no pizza. No one's watching the game. Like, what is this? What is this? Man, I never went back to his house again. Like, <laughs> I hope he's not, not listening. <laughs> Hopefully he's not. Hopefully, but he knows, he knows it was a bad party. Like he knows he shouldn't have, like he shouldn't have invited us. Cause the thing was, I was set to watch by myself that year. I was set to just chill, watch by myself and then, like I said, he invited me and he actually, like, he not only invited me, but said it twice. Like, hey, man, come on through. I'm like, all right, you know, because my girl's going to be bored watching with me. She's not, she's like more of a live, like, we're there at the game. She loves it. But watching it on TV, she can get bored. So yeah. I'm like, okay, should I have people to interact with? But yeah, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a good party at all. Like I said, I was the only one to bring food and all the dudes there ate my food that I brought. So I was like, ah. That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that ain't right. That's messed up. Well, at least you got to see a great comeback and a team that you despise lose. So it worked out for you. All right. So that's yeah. number two for you, right? Nikki, so we're on your two. My two is obviously Super Bowl 46, Giants, Patriots, a remix. Um, <laughs> so Eli gets second Super Bowl and MVP. I just want to clarify in case anybody has any Paul Fame doubts. Um, yep, that's right. D's over here groaning and moaning. And you know what? You are Petty D because can I just tell everybody his username this week is I love messing with Nikki. So <laughs> that is some petty. That that is that's what I deal with on this end. Okay, but uh. <laughs> No, it was like Eli came full circle, wins it, Lucas Oil Stadium. Listen, so underdogs again against this team. And I'm like, even as a fan, I'm like, man, I don't really know. Like, can we do this again? There's no freaking way. I mean, what are the chances of that this rematch was going to happen? What are the chances we beat them again? But we did. And what sticks out in that game? You guys want to talk about perfect throws. Eli Manning's. 38-yard completion to Mario Manningham was freaking perfect. I don't care what anybody says. Sets up the Bradshaw fall in the end zone because I know they didn't want to score. Um, 
And Brady tries to mount the comeback, unsuccessful. It was futile. Uh, but I think when you think that game, you have to think of that Manning to Manningham uh, pass and catch, right? Well, I think that's what everybody thinks about, really. Just like the David Tyree catch, it wasn't as dramatic, obviously. But like you said, Eli did put the – I don't know how he did it. I really don't. I think he closed his eyes and just prayed to God. But the ball was thrown perfectly. And, e and uh, Eli Manning and Mario Manningham, excuse me, did make an unbelievable catch to keep both feet and with the ball basically out of bounds, catching it out of bounds. It was incredible. And I actually got to um, interview Mario Manningham after that Super Bowl, and I was talking about that play specifically. And he said, I knew that I was going to catch it. I knew Eli was throwing it because they said, let anybody beat you but Mario Manningham because they had the other top receivers on the team at that time, Akeem Nix and other, and other guys. Don't let Mario Manningham beat you. But Mario Manningham beat them, so that, so like that's that that's just how it went. So uh, I'm yeah, Nikki, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's not on my list, but I totally get why you got it there. Oh, that's awesome! I want to hear that interview. Well, you know what? I'll send it to you. I still got it. I still got it. So let's keep rolling. I guess I'm on my number two, huh? All right, my number two. You know what, uh, Nikki? You mentioned it before, but yeah, that Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl. I, was, I almost put it at one. That was one of the best games I've ever seen in my entire life. And you already talked about it, so I don't need to go too much in depth over here. But that was a back-and-forth game. It was a fantastic game. We talked about the Malcolm Butler play. It should have been Marshawn Lynch. We all know that. Could have been a different outcome. But who knows? Maybe he would have been uh, Jerome Bettis at that moment and fumbled at the goal line. I don't know if it was divine intervention with Tom Brady being a deity of the NFL. Whatever it happened, it was just amazing. I remember Tom Brady's face after jumping up and down. But overall, that game was always a tight game. At one time, you thought Seattle may creep away, but then the Patriots and Brady and Julian Edelman and Amendola and all these guys, they came around, they did what they had to do. They got the ball in, they went up 28-24, and they had to score a touchdown, Seattle, no field goal. And unbelievable, like you said before, Damien, the film study on that play for Butler, a rookie, to jump in front and make that was absolutely incredible. And they rewarded him in the Atlanta game by sitting in the whole time. <laughs> Following Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Another story. Yeah, but no, that was, that's, that's still a crazy story because we don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, I'm not we sure. We still don't know exactly what he did. Um, so, yeah, that's the one that one day there'll be a 30 for 30 on the whole Patriots dynasty. And we'll find out what happened there. But, yeah, yeah that's still I, I definitely want to know what he did to get sat down for that whole game. I could not believe it. It blew my mind. Yeah, it was a couple of years later. And I'm like, wow, Malcolm Butler is just not out there. He's the best cornerback. But OK, that's what they did. But, yeah, I thought that Super Bowl was extremely entertaining just from a football standpoint of view, looking at Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, the two best teams uh, in the AFC and NFC, Damian. So that's why I went with that at number two. So what's your number one? Bro? Yeah, no, great. So that's a great pick. But you know where I'm going, number one. You already know. Who that <laughs> said they're going to beat them Saints? <laughs> Super Bowl, that was 44. Saints defeat the Colts 31 to 17. And the Saints start slow. Colts get out 10 nothing, right? Second quarter, we make a couple field goals. You know, we are down 10 to 6 going into the half. And we're kicking to the Colts. And it's dangerous. I'm scared. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I had bet a lot of money on this game as well. So my heart's pumping, not only for the Saints, but for my money, and this is right when I started in the Navy, so I didn't have that much to bet. 
So I was going to be pretty broke at the Saints lost this game. Let's put it that way. And we, we come out to the start of the second half with an onside kick. Honestly, when we went through those bad seasons where we were 79, we had some of the worst defenses of all time. That onside kick call is probably what saved Sean Payton's job during those years, to be honest with you. Mm. Because that's the greatest call in Super Bowl history, like to take that chance. Because we don't get it. You're giving Peyton Manning a short field with that offense. And our defense was decent that year, but we weren't just going to shut down Peyton Manning on a short field. Right. But once we got that onside kick, Pierre Thomas got a touchdown on that possession. Now the Patriots, uh, the Patriots, the Colts, excuse me, they did come back to score and take the lead. But then we went on an 18-0 run, including the game-winning interception by Tracy Porter, as he read the play perfectly, he was not guarding on Ridgeway on that play. And he came off of his off of his assignment, read Peyton Manning's eyes, picked it off, and took it back. And I never thought I would cry at a sporting event, but <laughs> I was crying when he ran into the end zone. Of uh, all the things that New Orleans had been through during that time, this was four years after Hurricane Katrina, and for us to win a Super Bowl after that, it was super emotional. I remember I was watching it at a Navy Rec Center, and I was front, we had all these seats lined up, and I was in the front just zoning on the game the whole time. And my homegirl, who's also from Louisiana, Saints fan, right after he got the interception, and you can see I'm pointing as he's going into the end zone, I had my head up in the air because I didn't want anybody to see me crying. And she comes up to me and gives me a hug, and she's like, I'm crying too. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just an epic moment, man. So that's my number one forever. Saints beat the Colts in the Super Bowl. And some people might not remember how tense that game was, but as a Saints fan, it was probably more tense for me as the fact that we were kicking to the Colts down 10 to six at the half, but for us to come back and win that one on some great calls, gotta love it. So Saints, Colts, number one in my book. Hey man, I don't blame you. Look, Saints win their first Super Bowl. And yeah, that play about Tracy Porter, that's that's the only one I'll hit on right there. You're right, he came off his assignment because he read it absolutely perfectly. And that's another one, film study, knowing what's going on because they love to throw their slants, uh, the Colts. We know that they lived and died with that and then their ups and outs. So that's a great call for you. Obviously an incredible moment, man. So I I dig it, totally dig it, no doubt. All right, so we know what Damien's number one's going to be. We know what Nikki's number one's going to be, but let's hear the passion coming out. <laughs> well, D, I, I cried at Super Bowl 42, so I feel you. I cried. Um, Giants, Patriots, today is the 13th anniversary of the David Tyree helmet catch, so of course I had to go there. I mean, Eli, escape artist, just that was freaking amazing. I don't think we've seen anything like that. My stomach, like, I just wanted to throw up. I was so stressed. I was pacing around, like, even know what to do with myself. Um, but even a bigger shout out to that defense, because you can't tell me they did not present the blueprint to the entire league of how to rattle Tom Brady and as we all know defense wins championships this game all other games be damned I don't care this is the game for me it will always be the game I have a picture of it up in my house the helmet catch the Odell one handy catch I got it all but this game will always be number one in my heart yeah, the, the Giants have been the Patriots kryptonite, or at least were, you know, especially in that decade of 07 and then 2011. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, just amazing. What else can you say? And that's why it was on my list. And I had to mention it because it's in my top four, no doubt. Like I said before, I mean, to to do what they did and to stop an offense like that and to predict basically what was going to happen, just unbelievable. I mean, again, these guys are 17 and 0 looking, I mean, it was 18 and 0 looking to go 19 and 0, the first team that can ever do that. And the Giants freaking beat them. And again, we talked about it in another episode, Damien, how it was great that the Giants ended up playing the Patriots in the last game of the season to get a little taste of what may be happening when they played in the Super Bowl. Who would have known? Yeah, no, I think that regular season game was major because I remember watching that game thinking that if the Giants get, you know, make it to the Super Bowl, this could be tough for them because that last game was such, it was such a good game. Like that's kind of a lost grade game in history. Like it was a really good game on that. It was either the last game of the regular season or second to last. And they went at it. And, you know, the Patriots barely won that game. You got, you know, you're going to get everybody's going to give the Patriots their best shot at that point. Cause the Patriots are going for undefeated season. And I thought that's that game really set up the Super Bowl for the Giants to win. Uh, just great game. Still remember, you know, Plexico catching the ball in the end zone and just, how I just felt vindicated because, like I said in the earlier segment, how I, you know, made that pick in everybody at school saying I was crazy and I was stupid. And I was like, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm made at this. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at this. So I should I should probably pursue this. Didn't know what a podcast was at the time, but I was like, I should pursue this in some type of way. <laughs> Look at you now. Yep. <laughs> We're thankful that you did, bro. That's for sh- that's for sure, man. I'm glad that you did because love having you here, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. So, yeah, no doubt. Hey, I, the only thing about David Tyree after that is that, you know, the only place you could find him was on a milk carton. I don't think he ever played football again after that, but it was legendary. I will say that, definitely. The, the right. reason he caught the ball on his helmet is because he couldn't catch. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the, like, that's the reason he made that the great catch that it was is because he couldn't catch. That's the reason he was out the league. Like everybody talked about how he couldn't hold onto the ball all week during practice and everything, all the stories you hear. And the fact that he held onto the ball with Rodney Harrison, just, you know, clawing on like that is what made it great. Uh, Eli Manning, the escape part was great. The fact that he got out of the grasp of the sack was great. Now the throw, you can't tell me he knew what he was throwing that ball. <laughs> I, don't <care> what, <laughs> I don't care what you say. He threw that ball up and prayed and something happened. David Tyree pinned it to his helmet. That was like, so the escape part was great, but the throw, he just threw that up. Oh, that is fantastic. Well, again, he had a lot of luck on his side, man, no doubt. I mean, look, his brother won one the year before, and he's like, look, I got to get over there. And then Eli's got two, and Peyton's like, damn, I'm the older brother. Shit, what's going on over here? Over to Denver he goes. But close out the segment over here before we get to knowledge with Nikki. I cannot wait. Uh, my number one, again, I'm going home home just like you guys. And I have one of five to pick from, two other losses, of course, which are not going to do. I like that little, I like that little, <laughs> just a little, little yep. sly, little brag. Yeah, I got five I know. To pick a little from. humble brag. <laughs> I got five to pick from. All right, Jay. Uh-huh. Switch my questions real quick. Me... <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man, I should have shut my mouth. But really, you know what? Let's just get to the bottom of it. John Elway, John Elway, listen to me. Joe Montana, they're down 16 to 13. And okay, what's up? Joe Montana enters the huddle. He says, you know, going to get his team ready. And he goes, 
is that John Candy sitting there in the stands? It's a famous story in the huddle when they first got there with that 92, 89-yard drive that they had. He goes, is that John Candy in the stands right there? And everybody's looking like, he's like, guys, I'm just trying to relax you. Chill out. Let's just go do what we do. And they just went right down the freaking field. Jerry Rice was a monster. He ate up the yards. He was the MVP of that game. I forgot. I think he had 211 yards. Uh, again, I'm just doing this off memory. But we all know Joe Montana led the drive. John Taylor was the recipient of the game-winning touchdown pass on a perfect West Coast offense play. Slant right over the middle. Bada bing, bada boom. How you doing? Say what's up. And goodbye, peace. You're out of here. That was their fourth Super Bowl. Joe Montana, again, I don't believe he got the MVP in that one. I think it was Rice. But either way, just phenomenal ending is what you want in a Super Bowl. But again, if you appreciate defense, you appreciate what you saw throughout the whole game. So, yes, it's a homer pick, but it's also an amazing ending. And when you see Super Bowl highlights, you always see Montana to Taylor. It's always in every Super Bowl highlight reel that they play. So that's why it was my number one, guys, no doubt. So that's where we leave it there with Mount Player. Player! Top four Super Bowls that we have gone through. We agreed on a few of them. We had a few other ones, and we all went Homer style on number one. But that's to be expected over here. That's what we like to do. But now it is time to get crazy, to get knowledge with Nikki. It's my all right here we go it is knowledge with nikki time you never know what's going to happen it is super bowl week indeed but does that mean that she's going to ask us super bowl questions let's find out Dean. what do we got we got super bowl questions we do okay Let's rock and freaking roll over here. All right. Who's up first this week? I, I believe. Is it you, Dean? I cannot remember. I believe. Yeah, I think it's me. I think it's me. You know what? Actually, I do think it's me because we were like striking out and then I had the Calais Campbell at the very end. I think I went second last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't yeah we did so bad. Could have <laughs> <laughs> One for, well, yeah. <laughs> so I got four each for you, and then I got a, a team one for you guys. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Well, let's do it. All right. Okay, so Jay, you're going first then? Yes, ma'am. Okay, here we go. Jay, what was the average ticket price for the very first Super Bowl? Wow. You know, I think I heard this somewhere. Um, I could be wrong, but for some reason, $6 sticks out in my head. D, you want to try? I'm going to say 25 bucks. $12. 12 Yeah. All right. Fell in the middle. So even. No points, I guess, or half a point. So whoever Nikki wants to do it, she's in charge. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. How many pounds of guacamole are consumed on Super Bowl Sunday? Are you mean, are you kidding me right now? This is what, I mean, I love, I love knowledge with Nikki. We all know there's no shot in hell. I'm going to get this, but I will get knowledge out of it. So, okay. Uh, uh, no metric system, pounds. How many pounds of guacamole are consumed on Super Bowl Sunday? Yes. Okay. 
Um, I'll try to do some short math in my head, which is basically impossible because I suck at math, but um, let's go. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. Um, let's say 30,000. No, D? I'm, 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 I'm going to say 10,000. 8 million. Oh my Lord. Wow. <laughs> gonna get no wonder why nobody goes to work the next day after the Super Bowl. <laughs> in the bathroom <laughs> here in guac <laughs> exactly okay uh, so all right million. jay let's let's try for number three what? all right for the record i'm not one of those eight million just to let you know no oh, guac you don't like you don't like guac no no guac out of here get i don't get the I guac don't out of here <laughs> <laughs> wow interesting uh, i love you nikki you know i'm <laughs> all right i'm ready i'm ready okay here we go you got this one what player holds the most career rushing yards in Super Bowl games? Ooh, in Super Bowl games, so you mean so combined? In Super Bowl games, all Super Bowl games. Okay, rushing yards. I hope that's not too obvious because that would certainly be a good one. Um, wow, very good question, Nikki. Wow. Player with, say it again, player with most what? What player holds the most career rushing yards in right, Super Bowl rushing. games? Rushing yards in Super Bowl games total. Okay. Um, gosh, this is really, really hard. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Uh, I'm going to have to go. Oh man, this is killing me. I don't want to take too much time. I'm sorry. Um, shoot, all these yards. I'm trying to think in over time. I, I only got two people in mind. I'm just going to say the one that I, I, I. No, screw it. I'm going Franco Harris. That's it. Three hundred fifty-four yes! yards. <laughs> Obviously, I was thinking Emmett Smith. I'm like, can it be that easy? But all right, cool. I got one. Got one. That's the two I was thinking too, because. Franco Harris been so many Bowls he was in. Exactly. And Smith being a exactly. Yeah. That was the only logic I was going with. So educated guess. There we go. See that kid? Stay in school. <laughs> 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 All right, Jay. Fourth one for you. Who is the only player to win a Super Bowl ring and an Olympic gold medal? Oh wow. That's a good one. Oh wow! Is it um? Is it Michael Johnson? It is not. Shoot. Do you want to try steal? Oh, that was boring. Olympic gold medal. Uh, see, I feel like the fast guys. It's too obvious to be a fast guy. Yeah, you almost feel like you would hear about it if it was. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna want to put nothing in your head. This is all you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Larry Allen. I feel like he won. You should have won like a, you know, a strongman competition or something. It's interesting. <laughs> Bob Hayes, 1972. Ah, uh, I was a fast guy. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> and the 100-meter. All right, Jay. Yeah. Okay. So you got hey, no, great questions, Nikki. Great questions. You know, the guacamole, yeah, forget about good. it. But the great, great questions. <laughs> all right, D, you ready? Yes, ma'am. Okay. 
Let's go. Question number one. Which artist had the highest rated Super Bowl halftime show to date? The highest rated? Ooh. And I feel like it's not going to be an obvious one. Was it Bruno Mars? No. Jay, you want to try? I'm definitely going to try. Um, I'm going to say Prince. Katy Perry. Hmm, okay. I, 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 I'm not really a fan. <laughs> I knew of it wasn't going to be Prince Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. D. How long does it take to make the Lombardi Trophy? To make the Lombardi Trophy. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you could see my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, I'm going to say that it takes three days to make the Lombardi Trophy. No, Jay, want to try here? I, I went with six weeks. Four months and 72 man hours. No, nope, I'm not close enough at all on that one. Definitely not. All right, D, here we go. Number There's three. <laughs> how... how how many tons of chips are consumed on Super Bowl Sunday? Tons. Uh, I, I thought I thought you're gonna just leave this with Jay on these on these type oh. of questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, how many tons of chips? Wow, uh, I'm going to say ten thousand tons. Jay. That's a lot of tons. Um, ton to ton ton. I'll go with 25,000. 14,500. Oh, all right. Not too bad. Yeah. All right, D, last one for you yeah. before I have the team question. Okay, so before Tom Brady this year, obviously, who held the title as the oldest player to play in a Super Bowl? Oh, wow. Oldest player to play in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> hmm. I think I might know. Was it Adam Vinatieri? No. That's Jay? a great guess. That's a very, very good guess. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. The one guy that came to mind, and I'm not going to waste time, you know, -na 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 -na. I just know that he played until he was 46 years old. And I believe that he appeared in a Super Bowl with the Raiders. George Blanda? Matt Stover with the Colts. Oh, darn. They're thinking on the kicker. Oh, that's a good one. They're that thinking on the kicker, Dean. That was not bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Not great on the Super Bowl trivia, but I have a team one for you guys. Yeah. And I know you'll get it. So for both of you, can work together on it. Before we go to break, um, can you guys name the four quarterbacks to start the Super Bowl with multiple teams? All right, D, we'll work together here. So we know we got Peyton. Right? Yeah, so yes. are we counting Brady this year? I'm sorry, D, go ahead. So are we counting Brady this year, Nikki, or no? Yes. So you are, you okay. are counting Brady so, this year. All right. So another one would be Kurt Warner. Peyton. Yeah, so Peyton, Brady, Kurt Warner. 
And there's one more. Yep, I'm sure we there's got it. If we, just, if we just think for a second, we'll get this. Um, to start. Da, da, da. We will get this. Yeah, I'm thinking now. I'm just going through my head. Possibly. Let's just, I'm trying to think a little bit more modern day before I jump into it. Um, so we got Peyton, Brady, and Warner, and there's one more, Nick, right? There's one more, yep. All right, we're still talking it out. This isn't final answer, but okay. um, <laughs> I, I did have a guy in mind, a little bit old school, and I know that he did it for the, I, I think I know who it is, and I think he played for the Broncos and the Cowboys. This is not the answer, Nikki. I'm talking with Damien. I think, I think, dude, I'm not sure. I think it's Chad Morton. I think. I know that's a long time. It's, this is 70s, but I know he played with the Broncos and Cowboys, and I'm, I'm almost sure. Yeah, I don't have a, like I said, I can't think of a forefront right now. And your knowledge beyond, like, before the 90s is well better than mine, so. Because <laughs> Damien was, like, five. <laughs> <laughs> so, nah, just, Jason just has great knowledge of the, he does. you know, the historic he does. stats. I, 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 again, I keep going back. I'm an, D, do you want to go with Chad Morton? I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to think in the 80s if it, if it happened. Not Jaworski, not Theismann, not, not Kelly, not Boomer Esiason. Um, I don't know. Th th he's the only one I could think of right now. I'm going to kick myself if I'm wrong because I, I can't think of another one. Yeah, I can't think of another one either. Like I said, those first three came very easy to mind. So if the fourth one is that one, if it's somebody else, you know, we gave it a good shot. So we'll go with now, Peyton. Oh, Hold on, Nikki. Did you say start in a Super Bowl? Yes. The other one, Damien. Oh, man, this is killing me. Now I'm thinking of Earl Morrill, who played for the Colts and the Dolphins. Son of a gun. Damn it. Now two of them are in my mind, dude. I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's on you when it comes to anything <laughs> before, like I, I say, before the, phone a friend. the 90s. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so it's either, I guess it's either Chad Morton or, who did I say before? I already forgot my brain is fried. You said uh, Chad Morton or who, you said somebody else who played for the Dolphins? All right, Jay, give me your final answer. Shit. Chad Morton. Uh, okay, well, his name is Craig Morton. So oh, Craig Morton. I'm sorry. That's I meant Craig Morton. All right. Do I at least get some credit for that? Yeah, sure. Yes, you guys get credit for it. Good job, guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, all right, D. We worked together well on that one, brother. It came out. I'm thanks yeah, that for was a, that was a good one. But great yeah. trivia again, Nikki. I love the questions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great job, Nick. I fouled up the first name, but um that I, I appreciate the some credit over there. I'll take it. Good job, guys. You got the team question and then you one as a whole, one of eight. I love it. I love it. And you know what? Whatever. I'll tell you again. These questions are hard. We got to get better at this, but it, it's going to get even worse than the off season. That's the bad oh, yeah, part. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will have nothing to relate to. Oh my God. 
But we still got a lot more on third and three podcast over here. All right. We ain't done yet. We're coming back in 30 seconds, guys. We got a lot more action for you. And again, we're going to take the deep dive into the Super Bowl. So hang out right there. Some unpopular opinions coming your way as well. Get ready. Be back in 30 seconds. So, yes, the question I got came from Baby Black 1977 on Twitter. He asked, Will the Brooklyn Nets, I was about to say New Jersey there, will the Brooklyn Nets be able to win an NBA championship with a great offense, but a poor defense that they have right now? They have the worst defense in the league um, per the rating. Will they be able to win that way? I'll go with you, Jason. All right, uh, I'll kick it off. And then, you know, you, you're the master. Uh, to me, the answer is absolutely not. Um, if your defense is going to be like that and all they can do is go up from here, but what we've seen, and I don't know if they'll have enough time to put it together or whatever as far as the seeing is concerned and if that's going to even matter, but no, you cannot win a championship with the players that are in this league, like you know the players that are on the Lakers and the Clippers or even Milwaukee or Boston or wherever you want to go, even the Heat who were in the finals last year. They can play defense, all right, and they can create turnovers and get fast breaks. That's how you lose games. So, no, I don't believe the Nets can not even win a, a title this way. They won't even get to the championship, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. They have to play defense the way they played last night. Last night they had a great game against the Clippers, which was awesome to watch. Like, it was a playoff-type atmosphere to that game. And they played defense, and they beat a very good team in the Clippers. If they play that way – they can win a championship, right? They don't have to be a great defense, just average, middle of the road defense. And if they do that with that offense, with all three of those guys get to clicking, there's nothing you can do about it. James yeah. Harden by himself is a monster, somehow impossible to stop. Kevin Durant, no need to explain. Uh, Kyrie Irving last night was a magician, which he has most nights. So if they play average defense, they can win championship, but they can't be as bad as we saw them against Washington previously, where they gave up 100 and damn near 50 points yep. with no overtimes going on. So they can't play D like that, but if they play average defense, this team can definitely win championship. 
Yeah, man. I look. I totally hear where you're coming from. And yeah, if they can play the average defense and put up, you know, like a buck twenty a night, a buck thirty, they're going to be really hard to deal with. And you know, that trifecta, the new trifecta over there in Brooklyn, they put up ninety points themselves last night. So we know they can score. That ain't going to be the problem, like you said, defense. And that was a great question right there. Yes, thank you, baby black, nineteen seventy seven. Much appreciated. I know Nikki's got a few, um, but I'm going to go down the line over here because we actually talked about this a little bit, which is very rare. We never get into anything, but a few topics came up. Um, you know, I got from Acne Army over here on Twitter. He's a big Packer fan. He's saying stop the Aaron Rodgers madness. You know, the clickbait brigade is running right now. And, you know, the GM coach made it crystal clear that he's not going anywhere. So he's basically saying expect Aaron Rodgers to stay despite what little rumors we've heard recently. And you know that I would love him to co come to San Francisco, but this guy is in the know uh, with Green Bay, with the Packers and everything. And he says that Rodgers is not going anywhere. So Nikki, I'll start with you. Do you believe that Aaron Rodgers is definitely a Green Bay Packer next year? Um, well, I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but I would probably say, yeah, it's probably like a 90%. I would give it that he's a Green Bay Packer next year. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys really see him leaving? Well, D, I, I felt like the number was getting higher, bro. Um, uh, and then, you know, the, the coach and the GM said all of this, but we don't know what's going on in Rogers' head. Just like in Houston, the GM and the coach can say all they want, but Deshaun Watson is going to do what he wants at the end of the day. So I wonder, do you think that Aaron Rodgers will play in Green, in Green Bay next year or even finish his career there? I think he will play next year but he will not finish his career with the green Bay Packers. Okay. Uh, Cause I think he has looking now, what is he? 36, 37. Yeah. 36. He has another three, four years left. If Jordan love is any good, they're not going to make him wait that long. Now we haven't heard the normal stories that you hear. Normally when you have a new QB come in and he's behind the veteran, you hear, Oh man, he's killing it in practice. This guy has a cannon for an arm. He's already a leader out there. We haven't heard any of those things come out of, you know, Packers practice or anything like that about Jordan Love yet. Now, I don't have no idea if he's going to be good or not, but if he's any good, there's no way Aaron Rodgers finishes his career there, but he's definitely playing next year with them. Coming off of an MVP season, it would be the dumbest thing ever to trade away Aaron Rodgers. We heard that the Rams reached out to them before they reached out to Detroit. So the Rams front office is smart. You know, you at least got to check it out. But, of course, Packers have to shut it down because you can't let go of a guy like that. You can't do it. No, you can't because then what are you getting in replacement? You, you know, you're basically starting over with, with this guy when you already have a Super Bowl-made team, as it would appear, going to the NFC Championship two years in a row. So, yeah, other things they have to fix, like when they have the advantage, three turnovers, and, you know, they should have gone to the Super Bowl. So I'm with you there. I think Rodgers will probably be there next year because I, I don't really see a move. And he is very loyal to the Packers and the Packers fan base. Here's an interesting one. Nikki, I want to kick this one off with you. I can't wait to hear what both of you guys got to say about this. And this was from Kadeen McElwain, who we all know. And I want to talk, he said that he wanted to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. The weekend is investing $7 million of his own money into the 24 minute set that they're going to do. And most of um, he says the most of any halftime performer for the Super Bowl who spent their own money. The problem is that weekend has asthma and COVID is still widespread down here in Florida. So what he's saying is that, you know, the weekend should have 
done this maybe in a different location on the screen or whatever, but you know, since he's going to be there doing this and that, it seemed like it caused a little, uh, you know, like it could be, a, it could be a hazard, it could be a problem, it could be a COVID risk or whatever. But then somebody else came back at I eighty Sports, you know, just trying to speak some knowledge and saying that. You know, just because you have asthma doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get COVID. So this whole big thing kind of came up on Twitter out of nowhere. So I would love to hear what you guys got to say about the weekend, him investing his own money and doing it at the stadium. Nick, and go. Um, what's the money going towards? I w- do all artists do that? I'm not well versed on like Super Bowl halftime performances behind behind the scenes so i mean i guess if he felt like he had to do it the only thing i've heard about halftime performances is they require you to lip sync um yes so you know but as far as the money i don't i mean i i guess if that's what he felt like he had to do and as far as covid i mean i assume he's being tested and taking precautions listen this is what i'll say i know covid is very serious but then if it's that serious why are we playing sports why are you letting 20,000 fit? Like, I mean, come on, like we're, we're cherry picking, I feel like. And now that we've done this for a year, I'm a little, over, not over it, but like, I just feel like there's too much cherry picking. So I would assume he's taking precautions. I would assume he's being tested. I would assume if he didn't feel comfortable, he would perform virtually. I mean, but you're letting people in, we're playing sports We're you know, I, I don't know. I say, go for it. If he feels comfortable, that's fine. That's very, very hard to argue with that statement right there, Nikki. Damien, I would love to hear what you got to say. Yeah, as far as the COVID concerns, like Nikki said, if he's spending $7 million extra dollars on the production of the halftime show, I'm pretty sure he's spending a good amount to make sure that anybody associated with it or anybody that's going to be close to him is not going to have COVID, including himself, going into the performance. Like, So they're, they're going to make sure that he's safe and that everybody, backup dancers, everybody's going to be safe with this performance and as far as putting the money into it I get it because I know that Super Bowl performers don't get paid but the exposure to over 100 million people is the payment right because after they do the performance their streams their sales go up I heard that J-Lo's you know old music went up like 300 percent after last year's performance Shakira's as well so it's worth doing it for free and I know there's a budget that they have for the performance. So if he's putting an extra $7 million into it, it's going to be a great performance. The Weeknd's a great performer. So I'm looking forward to it to see what's going to happen, to see if it was worth it. I'm going to be looking for things to see, like, where's the $7 million going to? So it's, yeah, going to make right? me, it's going to make me, I think it was smart. It's going to make people pay attention to the halftime performance. Normally, that's when I take a break. I'm like, I've been holding my pee, like you said last week. I've been holding my pee all this time. <laughs> I've, been, I've been, you know, I got to go get something to eat now, all this stuff. I'm going to be watching the halftime to see exactly where this money goes now. And it's going to work out for people who aren't familiar with the weekend. They're going to see all this money put into it. This amazing performance visually and audio wise. And it's going to help him sell his new album that he has coming out. All his new videos are going to go off the chain on YouTube. So I think it'll be well worth it for him. All right. I love it, guys. Great answers right there. Excellent answers to the debate that was going on. Beautiful. And again, we appreciate you guys' questions and answers over there. I-80, Gridiron Guru, absolutely awesome. There was another one that came up real guys, guys, real quick, that this had to do with the draft and the argument that Gridiron Guru was, uh, you know, explaining through the draft, saying that he thinks that it's better to build your roster through the draft. You know, uh, the draft can be a bit of a gamble, obviously, you know, 
teams can't ensure that they're going to get the right player development, so on and so forth. So is it that, or is it that teams just don't know until players get into the NFL, like a Jared Goff, for example, who went number one, and then all of a sudden got traded to the lions and a billion dollars also. So again, it's not an exact science, but guys, Damien, I'll go to you first with this one. Are you more into building your team through the draft or doing kind of like what the Rams are doing now and throwing all their eggs into a basket for maybe a two or three year window period? Well, it depends on where you're at in your stage of development as a team. That's fair. So you look at someone like Jacksonville, for example, they're going to build through the draft. Now they have a lot of money to spend in free agency, but it wouldn't make sense for them to go out and get a star here or star there when they don't have a complete team yet and they'll just be spending a bunch of money on stars to lose. So you're going to build through the draft, try to get cheap players, try to get those diamonds in the rough in the third and fourth round to build your team up. Right. And we've seen it work out to where it's, I think a combination of both is honestly the perfect answer. I know it's kind of a, a bailout answer there, but you look at Seattle from some years back, we just talked about that team that won a Super Bowl and then lost to the Patriots in that classic. The reason they were so good is that they had Russell Wilson through the draft, the third round pick on a very cheap contract. And they were able to spend money elsewhere to be able to build the team. So the perfect way to do it is to get draft picks that are cheap, that turn out to be good, and also be able to splurge in other places with free agents. So I think it's a combination of both, but it definitely depends on where your team is. Like for the Saints, for example, the Saints had to spend a lot of money free agents wise, but also had good draft picks. The reason we were good these last few years is picking Michael Thomas in the draft, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. Also had, you know, Marcus Williams throughout the draft, but we went out and picked up uh, Malcolm Jenkins and picked out somebody like an Emmanuel Sanders. So you have to have a combination of both to truly be a great team. That, I mean, look, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt. And a lot of it is luck in the first round because these kids are just playing college ball that Mark points out over here at Gridiron Guru. So when they get to the NFL, it could be a whole different story. You know, some of these guys we think would be great, like even going back to Jamarcus Russell when he was drafted in the first overall pick in 2006, he turned out to be, you know, nothing. So you never know. Again, it's not exact science. And I agree with you, Damien, you have to have both. But, um, Nikki, do you have a more of a specific way that you would like to go, or do you agree? Yeah, it's a combination of both. But if you had to weigh more to one side, are you more going after the free agents and making sure that you get a Super Bowl sometime soon or keep building in that draft, acquire picks, get young players, and possibly have a franchise like the Chiefs are on the way to doing? Yeah, no, I think like D said, the perfect the perfect way to do it is to find that balance, right? It's like a wardrobe for any of the ladies out there listening. <laughs> Splurge on the Gucci belt, but you're buying the jeans from Gap, right? Like, you know what I mean? You got to like, kind of, you know, mix it up in there and where you can splurge and where you don't have to. But listen, I, the Giants did this a few years ago, right? With Eli's last year. Oh, let's, let's get it all in free agency. Okay, well, that was a hot mess. Doesn't always work like that. But whoever the hell scouted Evan Ingram should lose their job you and evan ingram man <laughs> he dropped the division okay he dropped the division you don't come back from that not in my book oh man he'll never he's got no chance in your book ever okay. no matter what he does he, he can catch 150 touchdown passes next week and it's still one freaking matter. You know, yeah you lost the division against the eagle like no unforgivable 
<laughs> I love it. Oh man, I love it. Hey, thanks guys for contributing over there, Nikki. I know that you got a, you got some over there also. So uh, let's keep going with this Q and A. I'm having fun. All right. Well, I have. I'm not. I don't feel like doing the serious one, so I'm just gonna do the fun one. So a couple weeks ago, no, weekends ago. I was out to eat. I'm not going to put this restaurant on blast because the food was good, but I caught something that bothered me. They had a grilled cheese section. Now, to me, grilled cheese is just the cheese. Like, I would like to know how many ingredients do you guys feel before it's not grilled cheese anymore? Like, it's just a panini. And this is what really bothered me on the freaking menu was it was grilled cheese with bacon and egg. No, it's a bacon, egg, and cheese. No, you start adding avocado, turkey. It's a freaking turkey club. Like, so what do you guys think? Is that considered grilled cheese or just your choice of multiple cheeses is grilled cheese? D, go for it, man. That's a really good question. I've had... Like there was a food truck used to come to my job that was specific to different grilled cheese sandwiches, mm-hmm. right? And they would have different cheeses. You could have bacon, you could have ham. You like, it's not just a ham and cheese sandwich, but <laughs> but it's like you like it's just a fancy ham and cheese sandwich. Yes. Um, but I guess if you're grilling it, I guess technically it's grilled cheese, and then you can get fancy with it and say that I have a grilled ham and cheese sandwich or a grilled cheese with ham. Um, so for me, I would say that you can have the fancy grilled cheese and, but don't try to make it to where you try to overdo it, right? With the food truck that came to our job, they had lobster, mm. they had like salmon, like it was too much, but you can have the grilled cheese section, but it should be like three different sandwiches. It shouldn't be like a full thing. Cause then you're just having different sandwiches with cheese. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> And, and that's where I'm at. Listen, grilled cheese is grilled cheese. They even have a, a commercial on now. It's for crab cheese or whatever. And it's just sitting there burning in the plate. And I'm my mouth is watering every time I look at it. No, grilled, <laughs> cheese, grilled freaking cheese. And then if you want to add other stuff on it, like ham and cheese, which I love to make, and I'll put like butter on the pan and then, you know, I'll cook it up real hot and nice and everything. And yeah, I love to throw bacon on just about anything I eat. And, you know, I mean, I love bacon, but yeah, these are different sandwiches. No doubt, Nikki. So I'm with you all the way. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're not insane at all. Not one. Lo- well, I shouldn't say that. But you're well. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of insanity, let's get to some unpopular opinions, some that you may not like, but maybe some others do. Let's find out right now. I got a couple here. I got one football-related and I got one food related. I, I just got to say, guys, all right, I'm going to give you one food related first. And I want to get my football one in. And I want to know how you guys feel about this because it disgusts me to no end. All right. And that is, <laughs> I don't know if I should say it. I think you guys are going to destroy me after I tell you. I despise mashed potatoes. I think that they're horrible. They're just mushy globs of white, creamy crap that doesn't even look like a damn potato anymore. So I'm a French fry dude and I will not eat mashed potatoes. I tried it once. I'm like, nope, doesn't taste right. Doesn't look right. Get it off my plate. I hate it. So I know that most people love their mashed potatoes with their turkey and this and that and the whole thing. I'm sorry. I find it disgusting being here. Wow. Uh, you really came out the gate strong. Yep. The unpopular opinion there. Uh, I love mashed potatoes. So I'm the, I'm the wrong person to... Uh, you know, kind of access, assess, excuse me, your opinion on it because <laughs> the first, like, 
I've always had good mashed potatoes. Like every time I've had mashed potatoes has been good. Uh, even when I eat like a nice steak, I love to have mashed potatoes on the side, if not a baked potato. So like if I eat a baked potato or like really good mashed potatoes, like for my birthday, you know, to make this story short, in San Diego, they have restaurant week, right? So when I lived out there, my girl would take me to Roof Chris for my birthday because it was half off during restaurant week. So I get to get the full fancy dinner for half the price on my birthday. And I would always get a really good steak, medium. If you don't, if you get it well done, you are a savage. Yeah, medium. can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> medium. I can't go pat like more rare than that. Like I can't do rare, but medium is perfect for me. And the mashed potatoes on the side, man. I know, you know why? Because you're normal, that's why. <laughs> I, I agree, I am completely abnormal. That's why it's an unpopular opinion, Nikki. I totally agree. You got, I don't know what you're about to say, Nikki. I don't know if you hate love mashed potatoes. You probably do because you're a normal person also. But what do you think? I, I'm semi-normal on it. So so generally, like, I do try to stay away from the carbs and this and that. And I don't really, like, order mashed potatoes. And I honestly, last year, I only had them one time a year. And it was Thanksgiving because my sister makes banging mashed potatoes. So, Jay, I will say this. When they're good, yeah, they're amazing. But when you mess them up, yeah, they could just be like gloppy, nasty, and disgusting. Yeah. So I think you've got a bad batch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had some bad mashed potatoes and I've had some great mashed potatoes. I just don't like go out and order them with like my as my side. Yeah, I mean, there are certain foods that I can't even look at, like oatmeal. If I see a bowl of oatmeal, I am running south, bro. I am out of there. I can't look at that stuff. If yeah. food just doesn't look good, there's no way I'm going to try it. So that, that's get, fine. Yeah. Go ahead, you what? I get it on oatmeal. Like oatmeal when it's like super wet and just not like for me, if I ate oatmeal when I was younger, it would just, I would just use a little bit of water and it would just, it would be more like a dry oatmeal. It wouldn't be the super wet. Like as soon as you pick it up, you see it coming down and that's just <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so I, I'm with you on the oatmeal. <laughs> Good. All right. At least I got some of it there. Yeah, that oatmeal freaks me out. But uh, all right, let's hear some more. All right, Nikki, what about you? What's your unpopular opinion? My unpopular opinion is that Monday is not the worst day of the week. Oh, oh wow. That is very interesting. I'd love to hear this one. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people think it is. And like Sunday night rolls around, you get the Sunday scaries and you get the anxiety and like, oh my God, I got to work. But for me, I actually wake up in such a good mood on Monday. I'm like, this is a fresh slate. Uh, this is a brand new week. I'm ready to take it on. I know what I need to do for the week. This is what I want to accomplish. So I feel great on Monday. Tuesday is just like pretty busy. So the day flies by for me. Aside from this show, though, Wednesday is where it all starts to fall apart, right? It's like, oh, I got to get through Thursday. My first two days didn't go as planned. It's already a shit show. Thursday, you're looking forward to Friday. So I think Monday gets a lot of hate, but really, it's about perspective. If you wake up ready to take on the week, it's not so bad. Wednesday is, is like the sucky day. Well, how come you can't wake up on Wednesday with the same mentality on Monday? <laughs> 
because <laughs> one, because my you don't understand it's the week's already shot by wednesday night forget it everything i thought <laughs> is out the window it just doesn't happen so i wake up with good intent and i think i'm going to power through monday tuesday but by the time i leave work on wednesday it's shot and then i'm like oh god tomorrow's thursday it's just uh they don't call it hump day for nothing yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Damien, the only other day of the week I would debate maybe would be Tuesday because that's like a blah day. You know, you at least you know you're going back to work on Monday. But no, nah, Monday sucks, man. I, I'm, I hate it. You just end up, especially on football weekends when I'm up over here until freaking midnight watching a game. And then I got to wake up in five and a half hours. No, I'm pissed off. Yeah, no, I get the most people say, you know, Mondays because you're starting a work week. If you hate your job Monday. Is definitely horrible. Yeah, right? that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're going, you're going into a job you hate. You just had a good weekend. You're like, oh, I got five straight days of this. For me, I can understand why people would say Tuesday because you're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yet. Yeah. On Wednesday, at least you're trying to get over the hump. Wednesday, you're getting over the hump. I can understand if, like, if you're climbing, you have a regular Monday through Friday week. Wednesday is where you kind of get going downhill. It's good to go. But my life revolves around sports so much. Usually Tuesday is a light day in the NBA. Usually there's only a couple games. Uh, and then you're working, you're not over that hump yet. So Tuesday for me is like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tuesday is nice. Monday and Tuesday for me both. So that could be a tie right there. But all right, Nikki, I get what you're saying. Hey, look, you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about positive energy. So if you're waking up with that, God bless you, girl, especially on a Monday. So way to go for you. Way to go. Yeah, that's a good All right. One. What do you got, my brother? So for my unpopular opinion, hopefully the NFL or CBS doesn't get mad at me for this one. But oh. I think that the people or the companies who do Super Bowl commercials don't need to do Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> so like when we <laughs> like when we look at the Super Bowl commercials, who do we normally see? Doritos, Coca-Cola. Uh, maybe Old Spice, mm. of course, Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. All these companies that do the Super Bowl commercials who actually can afford the Super Bowl commercials don't need any more advertisement. We already, you're already in our lives to a point where you're just part of what we say now. Like when somebody gets a soda in certain parts of the country, they just call it Coca-Cola. They already call it Coke. They say, oh, you're yeah. going to get a Coke and it could be a Dr. Pepper. That's how much is in our lives Coca-Cola is that you don't need to advertise anymore. Like the little Christmas commercials are cute with the polar bear and stuff, but the Super Bowl commercials, you don't need it. Doritos. You don't, we all love Doritos. We don't need to have that advertisement for Doritos anymore. Budweiser, we're already drinking beer. We had the beer in our hand while we're watching you on a commercial. <laughs> like, we don't, like we don't need the Budweiser commercial. So for me, I, what I think the NFL should do and whatever network has a Super Bowl next year, they should do like a contest for small businesses. Whoever can come up with like the best commercials should get in. So I understand that you're not going to do it for all commercials because you have so much money you make from these commercials. I think it costs like five million this year for those commercials. So you're gonna make you're not gonna give up all that money, but have like three, four, three to five spots for a local business in that area that year or a small business that's trying to go national to come up with a commercial where they get the spot for free. And obviously, whatever they shoot, they have to pay for. But a contest where they can have this free advertisement on the Super Bowl that can blow this business out of the water and change somebody's life. Because, 
again, we don't need to see Old Spice again. We know Old Spice, what it smells like. We know you're going to do something funny and crazy. We can see that anytime. We can see Doritos anytime. Coca-Cola anytime. But let's get the small business out there or maybe even a national business that isn't booming that needs this opportunity. Let's give them a chance because we've seen all these commercials already. And another thing with the commercials, they've been doing a little, last year got a little sad. Like I understand you want to get the message out there, but we're trying to have fun and you're killing the mood with the serious commercials. Let's not do too many serious commercials this year, okay? Funny commercials from smaller businesses that don't need the advertising, that need advertising, excuse me, not the big ones that don't need it. So I think that these companies are just wasting money, honestly. I mean, you just, you, you make a hell of a lot of sense and you're right, they are wasting money and it's because they have all that money to waste because they're so freaking rich that they go ahead and they pull off these ridiculous commercials. But you know what, you're right. I would love to see something like that, like competition for small businesses or whatever or something like that and you're right you know like i think about saint jude's i think about aspca but yeah you don't want to be in that kind of mood when you're watching a football game so yeah i i don't want that in so i totally get that part of it but um yeah man i i agree they don't need the publicity obviously nikki but they go ahead and they do these elaborate commercials and we're gonna buy what we're gonna buy anyway so it's all about the element of you know uh, I guess, you know, being a fan, all, all about the element of surprise in a commercial or whatever it may be. So that's why they do it. But I love Dee's idea. And that would really be the way to go. And the small businesses, they can make funny commercials and get our attention. So I like that idea, Nikki, a lot. So do I. I changed my mind. Instead of D for commissioner, D for president. I know you're not yeah, right. <laughs> yet. Got to wait a couple years, but you got my vote. I'll be your campaign manager. <laughs> you would be a great campaign manager. I know that you would be able to handle any competition from other candidates. They try to throw dirt on my name. You'll be able to find the dirt and get back at them because you're very spicy in that way. I, I sure will. <laughs> I will come at them and defend you. I sure will. Oh, she'll be relentless. There would be no way anybody can escape from her grasp. Nikki nope. will you. <laughs> yeah, Nikki be my campaign manager. Jason, you'll be the chief of staff. All right, I can take it, man. Hey, as long as you guys come on your staff, bro, I'm happy. I love it. I love it. All right, so did we get three unpopular opinions in? Yes, so you have a football one, you said? I do have, yeah, I have a football one to close out this segment, and then we're going to spend the last one, about 15, maybe 20 minutes, whatever it is, before Nikki goes and gets some pizza, and I'm going to have to order. (laughs) Talking about pizza, Doritos, I mean, damn. All this stuff, (laughs) yep. Food is getting crazy over here, but um, so we're going to take a 30 second break in a few minutes and we're going to get deep into the Super Bowl. So my unpopular opinion is going to bring us into the Super Bowl and, um, you know, different aspects of it. So here we go. Unpopular opinion. Everybody's talking about Tom Brady, Godwin, Evans, um, talking about um, obviously Patrick Mahomes and uh, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, all this sort of stuff. I think the single most important person in this entire Super Bowl is Todd Bowles. If Todd Bowles can figure out a way to slow down the Chiefs and take advantage in a way where you're not going to have your two tackles in Mark Schwartz and Eric Fisher, where I didn't even believe Eric Fisher was that great to begin with, but the record showed that Patrick Mahomes is much better with him. When you got JPP and Barrett coming from the other side, you can make a lot of noise. So I think that Todd Bowles has got a lot of heat on him for this game because um, he's, he's going to have to come up with something. Now, I know it's almost impossible to stop Patrick Mahomes, but again, if, if they can do it, 
and take advantage of their defensive line and only rush four and blitz here and there. And, you know, use your guys, you know, it, it, we'll get into the game, you know, use your secondary. They've been playing well. Um, I think that's the way you got to go because we know that Kansas City can score and we know that Tampa can score. And we all know that whoever has the higher score at the end of the game is going to win. So you're going to have to stop Patrick Mahomes at least three drives in order to win this game. So, D, I'm going to kick it to you saying Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, is the single most important person in this Super Bowl that's not playing even. I would say he's the single most important, single most important person, period. Um, I'm right there with you. Like, he needs to devise a game plan that, like you said, can stop Mahomes and that offense at least three times. They can't just let him go up and down the field. They can't let, you know, what happened last time they played against him. We'll get into it more here after a break. But, yeah, I, it may be an unpopular opinion because we're all going to focus on the quarterbacks and the skill position guys and, our, and the individual matchups. But as a defensive coordinator, he has the hardest job out of anybody going into the Super Bowl. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. He does. He re- legit, legit. Look, the page, uh, the Patriots, I'm sorry, the Chiefs could have been 15 and one if they wanted to this year. We all know that they could have beat the Chargers if they wanted. So they're a superior team. And you go back to last year and even the year before. So again, nobody's been able to stop Mahomes at all, Nikki. Is there any chance that Todd Bowles, well, yeah, of course there's a chance, but what is your percentage wise of Todd Bowles being able to come up with enough defensive schemes and get his guys in the right place to be able to, again, have Mahomes go three and out, or at least have them not have three scoring drives where Tampa can take advantage. Oh my God. It, he has a tall order in front of him. And it's funny you bring that up. Cause I don't think your um, opinion is crazy or unpopular at all. In my game notes, I literally wrote, how can Tampa Bay stop KC? This is all this is what this game is about. And that is it. It is Mahomes versus the pass rush. So I, I'm with you. <laughs> all right. All right. You know, again, I say unpopular opinion because we haven't heard it, you know, anywhere, at least I haven't heard it much. So yeah, when you say, you know, the defensive coordinator is the most important person in the game over Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, that's that could draw some attention. But the fact that you guys agree with me just shows how smart you are right there. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, guys. All right. So, yeah, that was a football. One. I don't know if we have any other ones. If not, of course, we're going to go to break and then we're going to hit up the Super Bowl and make our predictions afterward. No, I'll save the rest of my unpopular opinions for the offseason. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Then Sounds good. All right, Nick. So we're going to take a 30 second break and come back for the last segment. We're going to go over the game. Chiefs against the Bucks in Tampa, Super Bowl 55. We'll go through the game. We'll make our picks, and we'll see who wins. All right, 30 seconds, 33, coming back. When the rain hits my window, I take it. We so we land. We sing a dangle. We so tight that you get our sound tangled. I'll tell you, man. I maintain that Missy Elliott is 
one of the best, if not the best female rapper of all time. Her style is sick. I love the way that she freaking, she's unbelievable. She's amazing. So why Missy Elliott today? Because our alphabet soup has got us up to the letter M. That's why you heard Method Man, Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, and now Missy Elliott. So that is M for the day. I can't believe already halfway through the alphabet. I feel like we just started this little part of it. But here we go, guys. Again, off to the races, ready to rock and roll. More football to go. So let's do it. It's Super Bowl time, guys. You ready? Ready. Let's go. All right, so let's do this thing over here. It's time to make our predictions, but first we're going to get into the game. Let's look at the Bucks offense versus the Kansas City defense. Right away, I'll say the Bucks do have an advantage for this one reason. Not, not one reason, but we know that Tyron Matthew, you know guys know I'm huge on him. I think he's the defensive player of the year. Will he win it? I don't know. But we know that he is a problem out there for any quarterback. The guy is almost like a Troy Palomalu type of player at this point even though I don't want to make that comparison necessarily. But my point is, is that the Bucks have so many different weapons. I don't know if AB will be in the game, but, you know, whatever. You got Gronk, you got Evans, you got Godwin, and then they can run the ball to keep you off balance or at least try to run the ball. They won't stop running, even if they're only getting two and a half yards. So they'll have to respect that, the Chiefs defense, which will make Tyron Matthew have to guess a lot. So I feel that... The Bucks do have an advantage on offense because of the amount of weapons they have. You can't really key in on one guy, Damien. No, you definitely cannot key in on one guy. And defensively, the Chiefs don't have enough dynamic guys, right? So you think about Tyron Matthew, he's dynamic. Chris Jones, dynamic. Once you get past those two, it's kind of narrow when it comes to people being just those dynamic playmakers. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Bucks, you mentioned Mike Evans, dynamic, Godwin, dynamic, AB if he's out there, dynamic. Scotty Miller looks like he might be a dynamic playmaker out there. Uh, playoff Lenny is dynamic yeah. in the playoffs for you know at least that part. So the Bucks offense definitely has the advantage against the Chiefs defense. Now can they, with Chris Jones and that defensive line, kind of be the equalizer? If they can get pressure on Brady, that's the equalizer right there. So that's the real key. Can that offensive line stop Chris Jones and that offensive and that defensive line from getting pressure on Brady to equalize that lack of dynamic playmakers that the Chiefs have on their side? That absolutely is the key. And so far, you know, the offensive line for the Bucks have held up pretty well. And Chris Jones is a nightmare he, he, I had nightmares for two weeks about him in last year's Super Bowl. He was batting down every pass in the fourth quarter. So he's a hell of a playmaker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but like we said, you know, there's a lot of other playmakers around. So we give the Bucks, uh, the Bucks, the edge on the offense. Um, but then again, you never know. There are good players in that Kansas City defense, not as many. But Nikki, what do you think about that? Do you think that they have a clear edge, the Bucks, and will be able to move the ball up and down the field? Or do you think they will struggle? No, I think, of course, they're going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. You know, for me, it's like Tampa has a really good defense. But on the flip side, the Chiefs counter that really, really well with amazing quarterback play, their pass defense, their coaching and just general overall experience. So I feel like this game is harder to pick than people realize. 
Oh, I, I'm so with you. I think this game is going to be extremely close no matter what. You know, I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost the game by more than eight points. And that goes back to college, okay, when he was playing against Ohio, Iowa State in the second to last game of the year. They got crushed that game. But somebody did their homework, and uh, Kansas City picked them up. But that's the thing. Yeah, um, Tampa Bay has enough. And if Tom Brady is on point, then they definitely even have more of a problem. So let's look at it from the other way. Kansas City's offense against the Bucks' defense. The Bucks do have a better defense. I think we're all in agreement on that from the secondary, uh, you know, to Devin White and then going to JPP and Shaq Barrett, which will go through Antoine Winfield Jr. maybe coming back this game. They got a lot of good players on defense, but so did the 49ers last year. And, yeah, I know that they only had 10 points going into the fourth quarter, but we saw that they can score 21 points in three minutes. And that's what bothers me. And I feel like they can do that against any defense, Nikki. I feel like Patrick Mahomes can do whatever he wants against any defense. Will he have tougher times against the better ones? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But still, it seems like he's always going to put up 30, 35 points no matter what. So automatically, I have to give him Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, who I think is going to be a big part in this game have to give them the, the advantage over the Bucks defense there, even though I like the Bucks defense. No, I know I'm with you. Um, I feel like, I feel like Tampa Bay's pass defense is a little weak and I feel like that's where Mahomes and this offense is going to take advantage for sure. Now I think Tampa, they're going to be able to, you know, run the ball with their dynamic duo. I think they're going to shut Casey down on the ground, but like I said, that, that pass defense is a little weak for me. You know what's interesting also about this game? I got Damian now, and then I want to hear your thoughts. If Antonio Brown does play in this game, it would be Antonio Brown versus Le'Veon Bell, who were both on the Steelers two years ago. I just find that kind of funny. I mean, it's just very interesting. But as far as the Kansas City offense, which we know is the best in the league, I don't really, you know, you can argue Green Bay all you want, but Patrick Mahomes is who he is, and he's got those players around him. Like we mentioned, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey alone are tremendous. And then you can have a guy like McCole Harbin step up out of nowhere and do a big thing. Or I don't know how much, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be in this game, but they have a clear advantage on offense also, in my opinion. Yeah, no, with when you Kansas city, man, when you think about that offense, how can you truly stop it? Even with, you know, some of the dynamic players that the Bucks have on defense. Now, the one thing that the Bucks do have is that defensive line. And one thing that the Chiefs do have an issue with is, is with their offensive line. Yeah. We mentioned earlier, Eric Fisher went down. Eric Fisher may not be the best, but Eric Fisher was their starting left tackle. They've right. already had issues on the offensive line before that. You got a defensive line that's getting healthy at the right time. Vita Vea is back, along with Indomitian Sue, you know, JPP. So they have weapons there. I think the key to this defense being successful outside of Ty Bowles' scheme is Devin White. How do you use Devin White? They put Devin White one-on-one with Travis Kelsey and say, if you can stop Travis Kelsey, that makes our defense this much better. Because if you can stop Travis Kelsey with one person, that frees up somebody else to help over the top of Tyreek Hill. We already know Tyreek Hill, the Tyreek Hill help is going to be over the top. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. of what, because of what happened in week 12, he went absolutely nuts in the first half over a 200 yards in the first half against these guys. So they're going to make sure Tyreek Hill doesn't beat them. If they don't, Ty Bowles has to get fired right away. 
Like, <laughs> right away. If they, yeah, if they don't have a game plan to stop Tyreek Hill and he gets over 200 yards again, Ty Ball's got no way. You can't have the type of negligence, right? He has to get fired. So you know they're going to be ready to stop him. So Travis Kelsey becomes the key guy on offense. It's Devin White, the guy you say, okay, we trust you because you're so athletic, you're so good to stop Travis Kelsey. Because it's not like with other teams you use Devin White to stop the running back out the backfield. Like he did a great job against Alvin Kamara against the Saints and other teams who have good running backs come out the backfield. So you can put him on a tight end. So that's gonna be a very that's gonna be what I'm gonna be watching to start is how do they use Devin White? Is he on Travis Kelsey or do they try to do something else to stop Travis Kelsey? Now, look, that makes a lot of sense because Devin White is one of those rare linebackers who has the ability to cover tight ends and some wide receivers. The problem I have with that is I don't want to take Devin White out of what he does normally on defense, even though I see your point. But Devin White is really that controller there at middle linebacker, and you want him free. And I wouldn't put him on Travis Kelsey one-on-one necessarily. I'm not sure who would get the better, but Kelsey is like a wide receiver. So I don't want to remove Devin White from his spot necessarily so that's that's my thinking on that and as far as Kelsey goes I think that he's going to be a bigger part of the offense because I believe like you said they're going to try to take Tyree Kill away and Nikki I'm going to throw this to you in a second but on the other hand Kelsey may have to stay in and chip a little bit do his chip blocks and that may take him off his route given the fact that Eric Fisher and Mark Schwartz aren't there so I'm uh, Mitchell Schwartz I'm sorry so I think that that's part of it and also like um you know, again, like I said, having these missing tackles is is going to make – I don't know if they're going to bring in other tight ends and let Travis Kelsey roam and try to do his thing, but that's going to be a part of the offense and the way it, you know, kind of goes along and evolves throughout the game. So I wanted to make that point, even though Devin White, again, is such a tremendous athlete. He would be one of the few guys who could guard Kelsey. But, Nikki, I don't know if I want that great athlete just stuck on one guy. against against an offense that has a lot of power yeah i know it's like kind of like a yeah i you wouldn't want that either so what i think we're basically all saying is we agree with jay and todd bowles is the most important person in this game (laughs) he is he is you guys all said it too you agree he really is no, I definitely agree. I mean, listen, uh, last time they matched up, the Bucks were able to sack Mahomes twice. They have some injuries now on their O-line. I don't see any reason why the Bucks can't sack him. I'm going to go out and say I'm going to do a bold prediction and say the Bucks sack him four times. Wow, that's okay. That's interesting. He's as hard as to get to sack him and Russell Wilson pretty much. So that would be really interesting, D. What do you think? Over or under four sacks for, for the Bucks? Ooh, four. If they sack him four times, that means they're pressuring him a lot more. Ah, buzzer! Buzzer word! Pressure! (laughs) It came out. The buzzer word of the day was pressure. We held it in because we didn't want to give up, and it finally came out in the second (laughs) four. You owe each of us $1,000. I expect it in my Venmo account tomorrow. (laughs) They'll they'll be there. They'll be there. No problems. (laughs) I totally... That's so funny. I totally forgot about it. I was like, why is he yelling at me right now? <laughs> I know. I forgot what he was yelling too. I'm like, whoa. I thought your smoke alarm was going off again from the toast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good I'm memory. just hungry. <laughs> but nah, so like but like Nikki said though, four sacks. I think they win the game to get four sacks because that means that they're making him move out the pocket. They're hitting him a lot more than four times. Right. And right. he's not getting a step into his throws. Uh, so I'm going to go under for a sack. 
because I just don't see Mahomes getting sacked or hit that much. Yeah, I kind of agree with you in that way, even though I think he makes an excellent point. I think that he'll either throw the ball away or escape pressure, go out of bounds, whatever it is. Yeah, he's such a hard guy to sack. There's no doubt about it. But that definitely is an interesting point. And there's so many others that go into this game, so many other dynamics. Like, what about the Kansas City running game? Is it going to be Le'Veon Bell? Is it going to be uh, Darren Williams, who is a tough guy? And, you know, he can run through a couple of players. So maybe Kansas City wants to keep it as a ground game for a little while and then work that off the play action, which would work fantastic against Tampa's defense. So I think we're going to see a lot of play action uh, around them. But, um, uh, yeah, again, as far as uh, Kansas City is concerned, again, it's all about Patrick Mahomes. And as long as he can find either Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, and they can run the ball, they will do well. But the over-relying factor, and we keep talking about it, is, is Todd Bowles and having his guys set up and ready to go. So if their defense, again, can shut Mahomes and those guys down for three drives out of the six or seven that they're going to have through the game, I think Tampa can put up enough points. Now, question to you guys, Nikki, in the red zone, who do you trust more, Brady or Patrick Mahomes? Oh, man. Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes. Okay. She, she said it quick and she said it fair enough. I happen to agree. Damien, maybe uh, you can elaborate. Yeah, I would go with Mahomes because of that added factor of his mobility, right? So you get in the red zone, things get tight, coverages are perfect. Perfect example, when the Rams are playing against Green Bay, you play perfect coverage, Rodgers gets outside the pocket, pump fake, runs into the end zone. That's something that Mahomes can do. Yep. Brady doesn't have that part of his game. Well, he really never had that. But every once in a while when he was younger, he could, you know, if the, everything opened wide open like Moses' part in the Red Sea, <laughs> you'll see him take off and get like a 10-yard game yep. yelling in brian erlacher's face remember that he's like he yeah. got up you're playing the bears like yeah what's up man going all crazy <laughs> so every once in a while he can do that but it has to be perfect mahomes defense can play perfectly he escapes he makes something happen his arm is so strong he can get into those small holes that you don't even think like a lot of times he'll throw a ball and like i even think that was open yep <laughs> and then he'll get it in there somehow. So I have to give Mahomes the edge just on his dynamic ability to do those things. Yeah, and, and I agree for all those reasons, no doubt. So if it does become a red zone game, I definitely give him the edge. One thing you don't want to do is be kicking field goals in this game. Field goals suck. You know how I feel about kickers anyway. So they're going to have to put the ball in the end zone, and that's the way it's going to have to be. But if it comes down to picking this game, guys, and I, I look at all the different dynamics and so on and so forth. And I love Todd Bowles. He's been in the league for so long. And I believe that he's capable of doing enough to keep the Chiefs, you know, I mean, not, not that, they're, you know, they're going to score plenty of points, but are the Bucs going to score more? So will it be air raid offense or will it be Tom Brady's offense, a mixture of both, depending on how the Chiefs are playing? Should the Chiefs play man or should the Chiefs play zone? I think that the Bucs, should definitely play man real quick before we get to our predictions. Uh, both of you guys, Damien, to you first. I think the Bucks should play man defense, even against a guy like Tyree Kill, even though they'll have help over the top in a cover two uh, situation, because I think that Tampa is going to be able to get home quickly enough where Mahomes is either going to have to scramble and try to make something happen or even maybe a bad throw out of him. So, again, that's where I see the game maybe tipping a little bit. Yeah, I think they should play man as well. Man, cover two man. So man with the safeties yeah. over the top. Exactly. Helping out. 
Um, because like you say, you can't just go straight man to man on them without help over the top. Cause that's how Tyreek Hill goes crazy. Exactly. So you have to have the help over the top and you have to have it leaning towards Tyreek Hill's side. Right. And also you might want to have somebody helping whoever covers Travis Kelsey. You might want to have somebody bracketing him. So if you're only rushing four and you're playing man, that leaves seven people out there to cover four or five, depending on the set that Kansas City has out there. So you can have two on Kelsey, two on Hill, and still play man everywhere else across the board. So that when it comes down to that, you got to stop Hardman, Watkins if he's out there. If you have Le'Veon Bell out there running routes, that's where those other corners really come into play if you're going to play that type of defense, which I think is the perfect one to play. Cover two, man, cover two over the top. Absolutely. Cover two man is the exact defense that I would play. And Nikki, I mean, you know what it is. You're playing cover defense. You're looking at the quarterback with one eye. You're looking at the receiver with the other eye. And um, you're playing man defense. You're basically just guarding your guys straight up. So, you know, which way would you go in this game, knowing the problems of the Kansas City offensive line and the success of the Bucks defensive line? Um, what D said, I would never play myself and try to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> he did explain it very, very well. He did. There's no doubt about it. And, and I totally agree. That's exactly the coverage I would play. And I believe that Todd Bowles will be playing that coverage as long as it does work out. So let's see. You guys ready to make a prediction and an MVP or what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Ladies first. Where are we going? Oh my God. All right. This is hard. I probably tossed it up maybe till like right before this segment. So um, listen, I feel like to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, you have to play almost damn near perfect. I feel like it is really, really hard to repeat as Super Bowl champions, but I feel like the Chiefs are just built for it. I'm going to go Kansas City 31, Bucks 27, Mahomes is the MVP. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 31, 27. If there are passing touchdowns, Mahomes will definitely be the MVP. It's kind of hard to say that anybody else will be the MVP unless Tyree kill goes off for like 200 yards and three touchdowns, as we know he's capable of doing. I think he did it against this team. As a matter of fact, uh, week, whatever it was 10, I can't remember, but all right. So you're going 31, 27, the defending champions to repeat Damien. Are you going with the defeat? I like what you did there. That's why you're the, that's why you're the quarterback. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Kansas City to repeat. 34-27. Uh, I think it's going to be a game where they kind of get a little bit of a lead. Not as big as they did in week 12, of course. But they get a little bit of a lead and Tampa Bay tries to come back. I do predict, my weird prediction for this game is Tom Brady throws two interceptions in this one. Oh. And I think Tyron Matthew gets one of those interceptions in this one. But it won't be enough for him to get MVP. Patrick Mahomes throws four touchdowns in this one. MVP goes to Patrick Mahomes. Yep, it'll be kind of hard to argue with that. And look, the Chiefs are favored by three points, and they're favored in Tampa Bay where Tampa Bay plays. So that says a lot. But sometimes you got to think the other way a little bit. It's um, The Bucks are on this amazing run. There's Tom Brady again. They have all these players. Maybe AB will be back. Maybe not. The Chiefs, they know what they're doing. Again, like I said, they're a 15-1 team this year. I mean, the Raiders beat them in a high-scoring divisional game. You can wash that one away. That's fine. The Chiefs basically seem unbeatable, whether they win 21-17 to or it's 38-17. to 
to 20 or whatever it is, they always seem to find a way to win. But I think the Bucks are going to hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him on defense because they're going to get home a lot. And when they do blitz once in a while, watch out. Even as Mahomes is he's so elusive and he can get out of anything and he can throw the ball 60 yards downfield to Tyreek Hill and bam, there you go. Like the last year, my Super Bowl was over. Guys, I think because the Bucks defense is much better than the Chiefs and the Bucks can score with the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs do have a better offense, I got to lean Bucks, And I got to say that there's going to be a turnover here or there. Maybe Mahomes throws one pick. Maybe there's a fumble. Maybe a special teams play. I don't know. But Tom Brady is a Super Bowl deity, an NFL god, whatever you want to call it. And I don't think that this is just some, you know, weird thing that's happening that he got there. I think the end game is him winning this. And again, going down as the GOAT. I got the Bucks 33, Chiefs 28, no matter what, as long as our three games and our three predictions come correct, we're going to be watching a hell of a freaking Super Bowl, guys. That's for sure. That's for sure. So my MVP is Tom Brady, of course, because this is all about Tom Brady for me. I bowed down. I told you I give up. I'm freaking done. There's nothing else left I could possibly do. Ten Super Bowls, unreal. So you guys are going Kansas City. I'm going Bucks. But, of course, it would not surprise me for one damn second if the Chiefs went ahead and won this thing. And you know what? That's another thing, guys, where Tom Brady's only going to be around for another year or two. Damian. Patrick Mahomes is on Tom Brady pace. He's the only one right now who is actually on that pace. And if they win the Super Bowl this year at age 25, I mean, sky's the limit. Yeah, no, sky's the limit for Patrick Mahomes. He definitely can be somebody who could get to 10, but it's it's a very hard feat to do. Like, you know, this is number two. So, you know, third and three podcasts, and we're on our 10-year anniversary, and we're talking about Uh, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes getting to number 10 then it's like man you know this guy is absolutely the goat but he has like I said he has early in the show I talked about how talent wise he's already there so if he continues to go on this trajectory with team accomplishments he'll be the goat and Sunday can be the next stepping stone in that direction yeah, there you go. That's very true. And look, Nikki, you made the point earlier that they're not going to be able to keep this team around forever, but they got a great coaching staff. They got a great team, a great organization. They'll be able to draft well, trade well. So even though that some players may have to go, even like a Tyree Killer at some point may have to go, I feel like they'll be able to replace those guys and keep it moving as long as Mahomes stays healthy. Yes. Good things ahead. Kansas city nation. I'm jealous. I love you. I'm jealous though. Um, feels like they just need Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed and, you know, plug and play the rest. Jay, you could, well, you jump in there. Do you jump in there? No problem. Right. Like, <laughs> it don't matter. You guys get Super Bowl rings. Um, but yeah, no good things ahead for them. And uh, I can't believe we're at the end of the season. It was, it, it was crazy, but we made it all the COVID issues, no preseason. So I can't believe we're here already. Yeah, mind-boggling, right? Shout out to the three of us. How about that for going through all this? There was nothing to talk about, no sports. We were doing this back in April, May, and all the way through until we finally had the NBA bubble and everything. Yeah, guys, we did it, and now we're here to the Super Bowl, the finale. We'll find out. Patrick Mahomes, you know, the new GOAT against the old GOAT. 
I just hope it's a great game. I have no rooting interest whatsoever. I just want to see a great football game, guys, as I know you do. Yeah, definitely. Want to see a great game. And just one for the record books on this one, man. But like Nikki said, the fact that the NFL made it to this point with everything going on, with games getting postponed, we had games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was a, it was definitely a crazy season. But you got to give props to the NFL for making it through with no games being canceled. With all the postponements, no games got canceled. We have all the games that we were supposed to have. So the NFL did a great job with that. And hopefully it ends out on the bank. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. They really did. I'm surprised they pulled it off. I did not think it was going to happen. I spoke about it earlier. And I also said earlier in the show that this is the Super Bowl of the millennium because you have the new goat versus the old goat. And we're going to find out what happens. Nikki, tell them where you're at on Twitter. Let them know what's up so they can follow you. You can find me on Twitter at Nikki Nick 9384. Little bit of sports, a lot of Bravo and reality TV. I love it. I love it. And the goat of podcasting, Mr. Damien Adams, the yes. real deal all over the place, bro. Tell him what's up, man. Oh, man, you're way too kind. Um, but you can find the real deal with Damien Adams on every podcast platform. New episode drops every Monday night. Um, and follow me on Twitter at the real deal, WDA on all social media platforms. A lot of basketball, some boxing. Wow. Um, some unpopular opinions on food every, every now and again, some funny stuff, but lots of sports there. And every once in a while, some reality TV when I watch it with the wife and I'll tell her about Nikki's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> D, what I love what you do is that, you know, I love that you have, the, you know, the, the, the graphics on there and everything, but how deep you get into it and you do it all on your own, man. And it's just yeah. awesome. And every tweet that you send out that I see is an interactive question that people are jumping all over because it's a, it's either, you know, like an unpopular opinion from you or like, wow, this is something, this is a great question. I got to jump in on this thing. So yeah, you're incredibly interactive on there. People love you. And that's, I love you guys, man. This is just awesome. Again, you can find me at sports profit one that's profit as seeing in the future and the number one, that's where you can catch me and you can catch all of us at, third and three podcast go ahead follow us we'll follow you back get over there on apple or whatever and hit up them five stars if you like what you're hearing third and three podcast ain't going nowhere damien just said in 10 years from now we're going to be talking about patrick mahomes versus tom brady and who's got the most so third and three is here to stay but for tonight we're out it's time for us to eat nikki d it's been awesome man all right man peace bye